0: I'm in recovery from a 15-year addiction to methadone and heroin. Um, I got into running just over two years ago. Um, I entered a 10k race um, to raise money in memory of a friend who passed away just a few months before. Um, I felt a real sense of achievement and I felt good. Um, So I kept up with the running um, and entered a few more races that year. Running's been so good for me because at one point in my life, I had blood clots in my legs um, and I used a walking stick to get about. Um, Running's really good for me because I can get out um, and it's just me, my music, um, and I I feel fit. Um, My mental state's better when I run. Um, I joined a club last year. Um, I've met lifelong friends through running who continuously support me and are there for me when when I'm having really tough days um, because I can still have really tough days with demons from my past Um, it's been one of the best things I've done for myself since I got clean um, and I'm not going to give up on it um, so that's how running saved my life
1: Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Explore Running podcast. It's been a while. It's Callum Crichton and my co-host Jenny Reese jenkins Hi Jenny. Hello, Happy New Year. Yeah, I was going to say Happy New Year folks. It's been ages since we recorded one of these. I can't even remember how long ago. It, not so long <laughs> since we released one because it took me about six months to edit it and send it out. But um, it we'll
2: happened,
3: maybe, baby. Yeah, a few
1: <laughs> things have happened since the last one, so um, we we'll maybe get into that a little bit when we're talking about our, our running and what's been happening and that sort of thing. So very quickly, uh quick introduction, so uh, welcome back, as I said, and as I've said at the start of every podcast, please send us your audio clips. Um, we've in the past had audio clips based on how running has saved your life, so that's um, how it saved your life or how it's enhanced your life in any way. Um, But I'm going to add in, you could send us a clip and say, I love running because, so it sort of opens up a little bit. And we feature them on the start of the podcast. So just send us anything you like and we'll we'll have a listen and we'll add it in. So that's cool. We'll just crack on. We've got loads and loads to speak about. Um, First podcast for like, I don't know, six months or something. So there's a lot to speak about, but also we've added some new features and the podcast is going to be done slightly differently, different format and we're not always going to have an interview but this episode we do have an interview, we've got a couple of amazing runners joining us actually live as we're chatting so they'll be with us in about 10 or 15 minutes and they're just going to join in and we'll have a chat to them and hopefully that'll be be cool so I'll just dive straight into the first thing we're going to talk about. So this is going back to a sort of summary of last year and and a little bit. We're not going to do the whole of last year, but I thought we'd just pick a couple of running highlights each and one sort of low light uh, from 2019 and have a little chat about that. So do you want to go first, Jenny? Yeah.
3: All right. So I'm going to go right back to... Uh, the very beginning of last year, because throughout the entire year, I've still been blown away by Jasmine Paris's epic spine race last year, where she beat the standing record by 12 hours. So she was 12 hours faster than uh, the 2000, 2016 record set by male runner Ian Keith. And she did it in 83 hours and 12 minutes and 23 seconds. Now, Jasmine Paris, well, she's obviously, she's a lassie. She's 35 years old. She's a vet. She's a mum. She had to express milk during the race. And it was just, like, for me, completely inspiring as a runner and as, you know, a a girl and also as a trail runner. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And it's just sort of been... Of this, it sort of started 2019 on that kind of massive change in gender for running for me, because I just watched all these strong female athletes kicking ass all year. <laughs> so it was really quite cool. And the spine race starts again in uh, soon, imminently. So it's all it? about is to it? kick it's off. This yeah, month it's coming is up.
1: I didn't realise it yeah, quite yeah. as soon as that. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hearing about that it time. might
3: so, be this weekend, maybe. Oh, wow. I can't remember. Wow. That's terrible. But I've I mean, seen um, it is lots of people sharing. The, yeah, yeah. Loads of my pals are sharing the tracker because I know about. Well, there's actually a handful of people from the northeast running. Um, oh, cool. There's some cosmic runners. There's uh, a, one of my good friends is doing it. Uh, Ian Haywood, who lives in Aboyne, he's doing it this year with another one of my friends, Nikki. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's going to yeah, be um, was, a pretty. Guys,
1: but good luck, Ian and Nikki. Yeah,
3: That's absolutely. Cool. Yeah. So,
1: for those who don't know, the spine race is what 230. 206.
3: It's 268 60. miles. Yeah, it starts yeah. in yeah it starts in the Peak District um, uh-huh. in Edale, and it runs all the way through the Yorkshire Dales, North Pennines, Hadrian's Wall, Cheviots, and then finishes in the Scottish Borders. At oh. Kirk Yet home, I think that's how you say it. But it's, you know, winter conditions and it's a non stop race.
1: Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. It's mental. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, to break that down, eight did you say eighty how many hours? Eighty three.
3: She did it well, she hours. smashed smashed it in eighty three hours. Eighty three. But um it that's takes people it's, I think you've got ten days. To like three, it? And half,
1: three and a half days or something eighty. Yeah. Maths, yeah. So that's I mean, whatever. I mean I don't know what that what that averages out at, but you just described the route a little bit and I'm imagining it's like a ridiculous Tough. amount of <laughs> climbing, descending, technical terrain. Snow Snow, wind yeah, dripping. all that stuff. I mean you're you're running Crap weather, it's like crapper weather, probably. So yeah, yeah unbelievable. And, and we're
3: hating winter anyway. Can you imagine doing that training I know, I know. for that yeah. in winter?
1: Yeah. So Jasmine, Jasmine Paris, I had never oh. heard of her before, right? Never heard of her. I and mean, oh she did this, really? smashed the record, and I was. I mean, I'm not really, I'm not, a, I'm not an ultra runner, you know. So
3: she's, she's a phenomenal runner, anyway. And I, I mean, she is the one of the most iconic female runners in certainly mountain running anyway. I mean, she's, she's done all three rounds the Paddy Buckley, the Bob Graham and the Ramsey round. I think it was 2016 or something like that. I, I can't even remember the dates, but I mean, she has the records, the female records for all three of those. Um, she's just a machine she's an absolute machine i've seen her at so many races when i did the my first ever mountain marathon uh the lamb she was there and uh, she was taking it easy because she was like heavily pregnant <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know it was awesome. like it was just phenomenal and she her and her husband are both just absolute machines so yeah she, changing change in the world um, and how people look at humans,
1: I suppose. Yeah, uh, and it's I mean, a bit it's more like
3: of an the, even playing field.
1: Yeah, and I think we've probably spoken about that before um, either us or with you know, maybe Camille Heron or something when I spoke to her. But, yeah, well, um, and the, she had a stomp in you. Yeah, she did. She absolutely <laughs> did. And uh, but, I mean, Jasmine of smashing that male record and I think what we've seen is in ultra running, in particular, that is yeah. m- much more of an even playing field. I think, yeah. you know, I think, and maybe just the longer, the longer the race, maybe says quite a lot. Actually, the, the females start catching up and getting closer, and ultimately, the best ones can be better than the best mm-hmm. uh, men. And and I and I love that. You know, I mentioned there with we uh, talking to Jenny about her dad and. Uh, helping her and and all the rest of it but I'm since becoming a dad of girls I've I've really started looking at female inspiration I suppose a lot more than I would have before you know Mm -hmm. uh, unintentionally sexist you know I'm I'm not too ashamed to say that at all it's just it's just the way our society is and I would have Indeed, always lo- yeah. focused on the male performance. You know, the, the men are faster. Uh, I was a, I grew up as a boy, obviously, and 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 I was always focused on the male thing. And, and not, not. To ignore the female performances. You know, I remember being totally inspired by like Sally Gunnell at the Olympics back in the day and that oh, sort of yeah. thing. Yeah.
3: And, and, and other
1: females through through history, but um, but I've never really thought about it as yeah that that lady is phenomenal and is really inspiring and I really would like my daughters to look up to her, you know, that's a mm-hmm. sort of role model rather than the sort of pop star role models that you see on mm-hmm. uh, wearing no clothes, and I suppose the athletes wear no clothes on the track as well.
3: As <laughs> it's a different thing though, <laughs> isn't it? It's <laughs> different kind of thing, yeah. It's, it's,
1: uh, but, um, but yeah, and, and and more recently, people like Jasmine Paris are unbelievable. I mean, that, that the, the ones that are sort of more recognisable, I guess, in, in sort of everyday society, guys like Laura Muir and Ailish McCaughey, we mentioned, mm-hmm. and Laura Muir in particular, yeah. she's been absolutely phenomenal. But totally. Jasmine Paris, thing, I mean, it's really, it's more powerful Look, she's,
3: she's a, you know, she's got She's a kind of baby. she's just a normal person. Human. She's, <laughs>
1: just, you know, she was. She's a,
3: even doing a degree. Like
1: yeah, you know, well, it, I, I I got in touch with her and you know fair play she got back to me. I was at, I yeah. was trying to get her to come on as a guest last year and she was like, well, I'm in the middle of my thesis. Um, give me a couple of months and get back in touch. And, I, and there was another yeah. when I got back in touch, she was she was really busy with other stuff and it, it Well, she's but, just been
3: so busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean I everybody's wanting a piece of that. Yeah, account.
1: absolutely. You know, it's, it would be amazing to get her on, but um, you know sometime maybe we will manage, but um, I think she just wasn't, she wasn't doing anything, she wasn't speaking to anybody, she was just like, no, I'm doing my thesis, and uh, yeah, um, running was, was then, and I'm doing my thesis now, and I'll get back to it after, but I mean, I mean, the mind boggles at that that spine race in itself, I mean, I've already forgotten how long you said it was, 200 and, how many miles was uh, it, yeah.
3: Yeah, two hundred and sixty eight miles. Yeah. I mean and that's if you don't get lost.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah if you, you have to it.
3: self you have to self navigate this stuff as well, you know. Self
1: navigating for two hundred and sixty eight. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean
3: I know. Carry yeah, all wow. your gear. I mean the kit is insane. It's heavier than you know the Duke of Edinburgh rucksack. <laughs> just, yeah. I, I did, anyway, so that was that was that that was yeah. my I think that's been the theme of my entire year actually. Yeah. Um, is just to sort of uh, not let um, not really let anything hold me back and. You know, you can be a normal human being and still uh, achieve great things if you're determined. So that, that was pretty good. And I think I had a, I've had a rocky year. I've actually run the least this year than I have in five years. Uh, so if you look at performance and miles and not nonsense, really, um, I've had probably the, the worst year in a long time. And it's down to lots and lots of different reasons. But I think I had a change of mindset in the middle of the year and it was actually a man called John Kinston who does an amazing podcast himself and is a blogger and he's very heavily involved with the West Highland Way podcasts and he had Done a load of videos about the late Lemmon Hundred, so I kind of got into reading a lot of his work. And actually, I had the great honour of interviewing him after the, he did the Dragons back this year. And because he's usually the interviewer, he kindly asked if I was interested in um, asking him some questions, so that he, could, he you know, he wasn't interviewing himself. Oh, and he told me um, something that stuck with me through sort of like the turning point in my year. So just when I thought. I was feeling pretty miserable, he was, you know, when you're running and you're doing these long distances and you're out in the beautiful countryside, and especially with trail running, you're kind of on your own a lot. And you have an opportunity there to just, you know, and he spoke about running with an even keel. So instead of sort of punishing yourself and pushing yourself to a limit that you can't sustain, actually, like, just, you know, enjoy it and be thankful for the opportunity to run and think about all the things that you're grateful for in your life and hold them in your mind when you're running and it was a brilliant thing, so when I mm-hmm. ran the Lakeland 100, to me, f- almost 40 hours, which is, you know, the, the, t- the cut-off, I think yeah. I was 20 minutes spare <laughs> uh, for a variety, it was a roller coaster mm-hmm. day, um, but the whole day I had th- him in my head yeah. and this concept of even keel, being thankful and I just, every time it felt tough I just reminded myself of that and I've been trying to do that, now I'm getting back into fitness again and uh, trying to do a bit more speed work and trying to get um a bit sort of a bit a bit more consistent in my training this year. Uh, it's been really hard. it hurts. <laughs> it's really <laughs> you know, it's like painful but yeah. I'm starting to like have that sort of metal taste in my mouth and I when I've pushed myself and mm. um, I've just been thinking about John, you know, like be thankful that I can run be yeah. thankful that I'm here so it's been good so that's I guess that's it really uh, end of 2019 it was a good year really and uh, yeah let's go forward what about you what's your what's yeah, your, what so was your year rundown yeah
1: well I'm gonna go back to what you said about um, you know just enjoying the run and that sort of thing I remember uh, it's not as deep as um, deep and meaningful as, as your advice there but when I was sort of early on running, so I don't know how long ago this was, maybe five years ago or something, <clears throat> I'd been sort of trying to to get better at running and taking up a year or so earlier. And, you know, I'd, I'd got better, but then I was I was questioning, you know, I was reading this training plan out a book and that sort of thing. And I was questioning whether it was the right thing to do, you know, reading up on forums and all that sort of thing. And I, I fell into this... Uh, uh, coach, my first coach, uh, a guy called John Law, who's Tunbridge Wells based, but I, I found him on an, uh, like a running forum, and he, and this is the advice I pretty much give to everyone who I'm coaching these days, and it's um, pretty much tell, telling you to slow down. Um, so I was, when I used to go out running, I used to just go and try and run hard all the time, because I thought that was the way to get faster. And you know, and that's a lot. I've heard so many people say, "No, no, I don't like running. I don't like running. I don't like running." Blah blah blah. And it's, I'm like, well, if you were to slow down, it was like Do you like going for a walk, and like, yeah. It's like, well, try running a bit slower. It's sort of in between, you know, and you're not totally out of breath and just appreciate your surroundings, and you know, it's it's just a bit like a faster walk. And and I remember the first time I went out and ran, it was like I'd been doing like 10 miles in a long run. And the book I was reading, was for what I was aiming for, was saying to try and run that like just over 7-minute mile pace, which is, you know, I could just about do it, but it was mm. bloody hard. And uh, and to be honest, I was struggling to get to that pace on a 10-mile run by myself. But he, my coach said to me at the time, he was like, I don't want you to run any faster than 8 minutes a mile. So it's a whole minute a mile <laughs> score, right? And I'm like, that seems a bit weird. I couldn't quite wrap my head around it, but I went out and I did it. And then I was like, holy shit, that was actually ace. I enjoyed every step of the way. <laughs> you know and It's
3: funny, it, isn't it?
1: And I was, and I've you know since learned through um, his coaching and the reading I've done and stuff that, you know, there are there's more benefit in your long run a lot of the time. You know, there there's a time and a place where you're doing sort of faster sections in your longer run and stuff, but that long run, <clears throat> you know, the ben- the physical benefits that you're getting from it are often come from a slower pace than a good chunk yeah. slower than what your race pace would be, and and it's much more enjoyable. You know, as yeah. you tr- you try and run ten miles as hard as you can, and that is hard. You know, that feels yes, really going to destroy Ten, ten, ma- your ten miles yeah. is, is is brutal, but you run a ten miles. You know, as as someone who runs regularly, could run ten miles or longer. Even mm-hmm. run a ten ten miles at an easy pace. And it's it's no problem at all, and you're also getting health benefits from it, and and you have that time you can actually think about stuff, you can look around, and if and you mentioned being in the trails, and that's even different, you know, your, mm-hmm. your the things you can breathe in out there are are amazing, and uh, and the other thing you mentioned, which I think is crucial, is just appreciating that you've got that opportunity, you know, you've got mm-hmm. the ability to run, you know, you've there are people out there who physically are not capable of running, there are people out there who may have I don't know, lost a limb or have some sort of illness or or you know, or worse, you know, there are people who aren't with us anymore, who, who don't have the opportunity mm-hmm. any longer and yeah, exactly. um, that's, I think you have to take advantage of it and, and that's one of the reasons I I get out of bed and go running in the morning and stuff like that, sometimes before work, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you, know, you might not be able to do it next week, so um,
2: yeah.
1: That's I was trying to make that. I supposed to be a positive thing, but you know, it's, it's kind of a bit negative. But you know, it's it just sort of living, mo- positive, living in the moment, yeah. I guess. You know, and you go for it. So anyway, let's yeah. move on to. So that was that one or two of your highlights. I wasn't quite sure if that was.
2: Uh
3: I kinda I think that was it. I think Lakeland one hundred was everything last year. Yeah, It
2: was
1: so Lakeland one hundred was although it wasn't what you were hoping for when you entered it. In terms of time and all the rest, yeah, you,
3: you turned, yeah. Turned it I learned. I more, learned yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah, I did. I just learned so much. I mean, i I've had some great year. I had a great year last year. Mm-hmm. When you reflect back, I mean, I I won some stuff and yeah. Um, I did did really well. I got some great PBs and mm-hmm. some. Uh, you know, I got a, a huge PB in a fifty mile run that I did, and you know, there was it was just a a, a year of ups and downs. But yeah, I think that that was a big a big. Such an important race um, in mindset and changing how I how I look at running, um, really. And I've started doing some work um, as well. Just I've started doing some proper training um, through the winter, which has really helped me not lose the plot with winter because it is (laughs) just a shocker. Um, And that's been quite nice. So I've been running a little bit less, but doing more focused running. And, well, you know how inconsistent I can be. I'm not very good at, or I wasn't very good at sticking to a plan. But I think just having had such a tricky year, um, Mm -hmm. it's kind of given me the kick up the arse to really focus. Because I'm going to do the Bob Graham this year. I've set a date for it. So uh, it's on. I know, it's it's actually on, and I feel, I actually feel ready, I don't think I ever felt, I, I think I was very much like, oh, I'll see what happens, was always how hmm. I felt about it, and it was always very much a, a goal that maybe I'll do it um, if I'm up to it, whereas I'm coming into it now being like, I know I'm going to do it like I feel really confident and I haven't felt like that before about it ever so and I think it's that change in mindset that's helped and also I've been I've spent probably more time in the lakes this year than I have or last year than I had before Mm. so I I know the route inside out now um so it feels like totally manageable (laughs) which is
1: bonkers never thought to say that (laughs) yeah and I think the thing is bring it on you probably have no idea how you approach that sort of thing but uh, well, yeah. I, say no, I say no idea, but um, I've got a fair idea that you know. You, I don't think it's the sort of thing you can take in any way lightly. You can't say, "I'll see if I'm going to be ready for it." You have to make yourself ready for it. You know, yeah. that, by setting a date and going. Well, you know when it, when it is. You know when you're going to go for it, and you just have to sit about being ready to go and take it on. And uh, yeah. yeah,
3: that's cool. That's exciting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's
1: going to be good. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. So what, uh, Shift on to the ones that I've got here. So I've got. I was going to do two two highlights and one low light. That's what we're going to say. So my Mm -hmm. I've got a personal running highlight, and I've got one from. I'll go with that one first. So the watching running as an athletics fan, uh, watching Callum Hawkins' uh, performance at the Doha World Championship Marathon uh, last year was. Phenomenal. I'd barely watched any of the championships. Yeah. It was a sort of weird time and all that should to be watching. But I was like, I'm going to watch that because I'm a massive fan of Callum Hawkins. I think. That yeah, I watched
3: it too. Amazing. It was really just, good.
1: And and it was, I I was lucky enough to be down in London when he ran at the last World Championship marathon, and he came fourth at that oh, one. Oh wow! And. Uh, I actually was standing with his brother watching it, so his brother Derek Hawkins (laughs) used to be be my coach, and uh, I
2: was, Uh... so I'd been in
1: touch with him and found out where he was standing and stuff, me and my mate went and stood with him, and it was pretty cool, because Derek is an elite athlete himself, and he he was injured, which is why he wasn't running, but he was telling us all about the different guys and all the rest of it, that were running in the race and stuff, so it was pretty cool, and you know, he's cheering on his brother who at one point was leading the race, and it was amazing, so but then he had that um, that fall at the Commonwealth Games where he was he was absolutely stuck stuck on Callum that is to to win the gold medal he was two minutes up the road from everybody else, but he just hmm. pushed it slightly too too hard, um, you know he could have reined it in a little bit and he would have got to the end yeah. right? so maybe a mile and a half from the end I think and he and he collapsed uh, with heat exhaustion and smacked his head on the side it was horrible horrible to watch oh it was awful yeah and so I mean you could forgive a guy for being scared to push himself hard again, especially in the heat of Doha. But he came back this year, he ran a really solid time at the London marathon, uh, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. And then Doha, the world championships in Doha, obviously it was run at midnight because it was too hot through the day and all the rest of it. So it was a weird time to watch it. But, um, (laughs) I had my laptop on watching it and, uh, I was just, you know, he was well back in the field and you thought, I'm not really sure what's going to happen here. But he'd obviously just, he'd run the perfect race for the fitness he was at. He judged it so well. And the last few miles were so exciting as he plowed through the the field ahead of him. I don't know how many people he overtook, but he kept thinking, ah, oh, he's not going to go past anybody else. No, he's not going to go past, past anybody else. And he caught up with the lead group. There were four, no, he went past the guy in four Fourth, who dropped and he dropped him really quickly, and then he caught up with the lead three, who are these guys who are like two o two, two o three marathoners, and Callum Hawkins' PB is like two o nine or something, and uh, maybe a bit quicker than that. I can't remember 208 maybe. But he, and he just he just went straight past him, and I was like, oh my god, he's he's going to win it, he's going to win it, you know. And I was like jumping about myself, you know, and my oh. kids, kids were all sleeping. And I was like talking about, oh, he was going to win it, he's going to win it, and then, you know, those guys, he did the right thing because he, he he could have he could have pushed that group and one of them could have dropped off and he would have got himself a medal, you know. Yeah. Uh, if, he, if he'd sat in with him, there was no way he was going to get a medal because those guys would have kicked harder than him if he'd sat in behind them. So he went he went storming past them in the hope he would break one of them or two of them or whatever, and unfortunately they all they all had another gear. But he was seconds behind the winner. You know, he was
2: Mm -hmm.
1: was fourth again, but he was so close to a medal, so close to the gold medal. What a performance. I think that was, for me, as a a road road race, um, that was the best performance of the year for me. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, That's a good one. um, And so, personal highlight for me was the 12-hour Mormon Hill run that I
3: oh, or, yeah. organized
1: and uh, organized and took part in in aid of uh, Kayleigh's We Stars and Hamish Deer's Warm Hugs to local charities um, in the northeast of Scotland and so the I I'm not an ultra-runner at all Um <laughs> I've, I have once completed the D33. D- <laughs> once completed the D33 many years ago in a very very slow time. Right. Since then I've I've not run longer than a marathon. And so I organised this 12 hour thing. I thought you know if I'm going to ask people to sponsor me, it has to be something a bit meatier than the normal stuff I do. And came uh, up the idea of running up and down a hill for 12 hours. So we got uh, me and the two dads in, in those charities. So Jonathan Cordner and um, Chris Deer, um involved as well. They were running, but they weren't actually running the full 12 hours um, for <clears throat> various reasons. But um, we had a handful of other guys running for 12 hours with us and some other guys coming and doing a relay, some other people coming and doing like one or two laps. And uh, and the the whole thing was just awesome. I mean, there are guys... Who, like me, had never done ultras before, turned up and totally blew themselves away, I think, as to how far they managed to run in the 12 hours and um, surpassed their expectations. And, (coughs) and, you know, we had just non runners helping us with the marshalling and the, the aid station and stuff like that. And they all. Really enjoyed it. You know, it was like a little community thing we did. Um, it was really cool, and um, so for for many reasons, that was a massive highlight for me. I mean, it was it was my my personal running highlight. I had a up and down year, a bit like yourself, but with less ups, <laughs> I suppose. I didn't run any <laughs> didn't run any road PBs at all last year. Um, I got relatively close at sort of five k and ten k in terms of my fitness, but on the day it didn't come together. Uh, and then I sort of stopped training properly and had a, a go at going back to football and stuff through the summer, and that interrupted my training. And so, the second half of the year was never going to happen. But I had this this ultra thing to do, and so I had to had to do some long stuff, and it was a totally different thing for me. And you know, I I did a training run of 30 miles, which was you know unheard of, and. Um, that sort of thing and, and up and down that hill in training god knows how many times uh through the summer and then on the day yeah. i went up and down the hill seven times and well it's like three peaks each lap so like 21 21 climbs and uh i managed a total of uh, 60 miles which i was I'd really wanted to do eight times up and down so I got to 64 miles but I, there were, we went a, a quarter mile lap at the bottom which you could add your distance so um. you didn't have enough time so I did 56 and then did another four miles to uh, to make it up to 60 so um, I was delighted to um, because I'd wanted to train a bit more and I, I hadn't done as much training as I hoped. My training was all right. I mean, I'm not playing it down. Mm-hmm. But I, I did, I did get out. And I did a lot of climbing and stuff, but nowhere near as much as I'd have liked to have done. But you know, it coincided with three things: my dad dying, going back to football, and my son being born. All in the yeah. uh, three or four months before <coughs> before the run. So you know, all of that considered, my training was was all right actually, but just not quite yeah, what I would have wanted to times. be. Yeah. Tough times. And um, and so that was my sort of personal performance, but also the guys around about me who who also <laughs> blew me away. So there was a guy um, in my running club called Charlie Noble, who lots of people locally will know who he is. He's one of these legends from Fraserburgh. Who um, he's 69 now and. He's got some amazing PBs from from back in the day, but also some amazing PBs from when he's been a bit older. You know, he's got, like, I I, I can't remember the times, but he's got a really, really solid marathon time from his 50s. You know, it's, like, well under three hours. I can't remember how much. And uh, some pretty quick times over 10K and stuff as well. And he's done ultras in the past, but he hadn't run... I went for a run with him the week before, and we are chatting about it, and he hadn't run an ultra for something like 13 years or something i like think it was and the longest he'd run in training was 16 miles and got up and down the hill two times and he didn't he had done the BRG race which is 17 miles um sort of a few weeks before and that was it that was the longest <laughs> he'd run for a long time and he went up and down seven times seven oh my times God. And, he, and he stopped when he got to the bottom so he did 56 miles and I I couldn't believe it. So we, I, I was I was like I was applauding him every time I saw him. Basically, I was just couldn't believe he was still going, um, and it was massively inspiring. I mean, and he, to be Aww. honest, like see so at the end 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 of the day, we would all stopped, sat down for a while and everything. I my legs were totally utterly really buckled. I was like to get up off of my seat and stuff to go and pick up my medal or whatever. I was like. Struggling. Charlie looked fine. <laughs> he looked absolutely fine. The guys, the guys nearly uh-huh. seventy. He was amazing. And there was other guys. Total well, legend. Uh, total legend. Absolutely. Um. And then there was other guys. You know, local guys who did their first ultras and got um five or six laps under their belt. You know, and a couple of a couple of ladies from the club who only started around fairly recently. They managed to do three laps and made it up to a marathon distance. You know. One of them had only done five k before (laughs) or something. It's crazy like that. So it was like wow. I mean, people are just smashing their expectations all over the place. And ultimately, we we raised two thousand six hundred. I think it was split between two charities. So that was what it was all about. So um, it's fantastic. And that that is uh, that's happening again this year. So in September. Oh my god! Don't have to (laughs) date. Off the top of my head, but it's a long way till September. But you can actually go and enter if you want already. It's uh, I put it live in Entry Central pretty soon after to ah, try and, cool. to try and catch some folk who are still on a run yeah. to, to enter it again. So we've got a few folk entered already. Ah, cool. cool. So um, but we'll do some more plugging as the year goes on to try and get that Yeah. Because we had we had like 25 people in total running, but you know it'd be really cool to have that, up at like
3: yeah.
1: 50 or. What's or the date again? And, um, it's September sometime. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the day off the top of my head. Sometime Give, me, give, give me a second.
3: We've got, oh, ti- we've got time to uh, got, to advertise it.
1: Yeah, we uh, will keep chatting, and I will, um, <laughs> I will look it up here. Um, so yeah, it's
3: quite epic.
1: it's yeah, it was amazing, it really was. Um, 19th of September. That's what I thought it was. I didn't watch it. I think yeah. I was wrong. So that's for sure. So yeah, and then. To take it back down a notch, I suppose I was going to have a low light in there as well. But I guess, like you turning yours into positive, we can have a positive spin on this. And so I was probably in the best shape I'd been in for ages um, going into the kind of loss-to-lossy-mouth half marathon in February this year. And uh, I was absolutely gunning for a, not just a PB, but a massive PB. My PB at half marathon yeah. is 122.07 uh, or 08, one of those. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I hadn't been properly trained when I did that one. That was the sort of November before. And then February last year, 9, 2019, um, was a kind of lost one. And i had a really good spell. You know, I'd built on what I'd done for November. And I'd, I'd kicked off a really good December and January. And you I mean I was, I was really <laughs> sure, absolutely sure I was in sub 80 shape, and you know it was how much under 80 I, I could go, you know, depending on how the race went and all the rest of it. But I, uh, we spoke about it on the podcast before, but as as it transpired, I had double booked myself, sort of. So we had a table at the Kathimba Edwards uh, biannual dinner uh, the night before. And so the logistics of going to Kinloss or going to Lossy Mouth in the morning—I had to be up out of my bed at about mm-hmm. 7 a.m. or something. And this dinner dance was at Ardo House, which is like an hour and 15 minutes away from my house. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we were we were hosting this table, so I couldn't leave early. And yeah, I just landed up being in my bed really, really late. I mean, it was like half three in the morning or something before I actually got back. Oh my. God. God. And uh, yeah, I, I, as you would expect, yeah. I was absolutely knackered the next day. I was new. No, well, I remember
3: I saw you on the bus, and yeah. you were
1: shattered. I was wanting to sleep on that bus, but I couldn't. You know, yeah. I, it, not that it would have made any difference. Would have got about ten minutes of sleep or something. But what I really need to do was somebody. Well, what I really need to do was stay at Ardo House that night
3: Yeah. and drive from there. That
1: would, that would have probably been okay. Uh, I'd have got an extra couple hours sleep. But um if somebody had driven me up and I could have slept in the back seat of a car or something, but it still wouldn't have been ideal. But, you know, I had, like, I think I had less than four hours sleep. And, uh, yeah, I was kidding myself on that I'd be all right. And um, I was knackered, like you said, on the bus. You have to get the bus from Mouth to Kinloss to the start line. I was knackered yeah. there. I had two energy gels with me. I took one before the race because I was like, I need, I need to perk myself up before I start. And then I thought, once I get going, I'll be fine. You know, I've been tired before and ran PBs, but just, yeah, this was a different level of tiredness. And uh, at I was going out at like six minutes per mile. That was kind of the target for the first half of the race. I got to five miles, not even managing to hold that pace. And I was like, I'm going to have to slow down or else my race is actually over. You know, and I, and I just got gradually slower and slower uh, through the race, and it was it was one of those where I was like, I've never DNF'd a race before, but uh, if that yeah, race close. hadn't been, a, had, if it hadn't been a, a point-to-point race, I think I would have DNF'd it, because I knew Aww. I was going to be way outside my PB. I wasn't doing myself any favours by carrying on running, but um, I thought the quickest way back is just to run it, because I've got nobody up here with me. I don't have any way of contacting anybody anyway, you know. so I just kept going. Plotted my way to the end. And, and you know, and and then, so that was how I felt at the time. And it was a, you know, I'm still disappointed that I never capitalized on that block of training because, you know, I haven't, I didn't kick on from, I kind of did kick on, but I didn't get a PB at 10Ks. I was at a couple of months later. I was a bit closer and it was good performances, but just the conditions and stuff were against me a little bit. But um, that, that half marathon... Time is still what it was, and still slower than it should be for for what I've done other distances <laughs> and that sort of thing. And uh, but uh, yeah, I learnt a lot. So I learnt that you you know you have to respect, um, especially you when know, you go. I mean, half marathon doesn't sound very long when you've done marathons and you're talking about running 60 miles and you're talking about running 100 miles yeah. and 268 miles and everything. But a half marathon's is a hard race. Like you know, it is, yeah. it's long yeah. enough, and you're trying to run pretty quick, you know, for a long distance and you can't blag it at all, you know, your prep the day before has to be good um, You know, and, I, and I've learnt a lot from that experience and um, you know, I, I won't do that again, <laughs> you know, if I had if that class yeah. happen again, I just wouldn't go, because I, I wouldn't miss yeah. the, the charity thing, because that's way more important than actually running a half marathon race, but I just realised a couple of weeks earlier, oh, hang on a minute yeah, so and what, what other what out. other races what other races are there in close proximity and I'll I'll do that instead, you know, like go in for an S a couple of weeks later or something. But so yeah, that was that was that. But yeah, I mean it's not a big deal really If that's the worst thing that happened to me or wise, it's not that bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> it feels you know, bad
3: at the time though. Oh
1: yeah, definitely. And I had to <laughs> you know, and then I had to get my car and bloody drive home and everything by myself. Uh, and I, and, and I'd also, yeah. I I'd also I'd also um uh, yeah, I remember at the end of the race as well. I had well before the race I can't remember how long it was in the lead up to the race, but I'd gone out to recce this route, this trail up at um which one was that? The Glenbucket Bucket Ridge, I don't know if you've been there before. Um no. site Afford. And I was doing it for, you know, the, the trail runs that we do for explore running. And this cool route that I'd found online and, you know, i downloaded the GPS and whatever and I was gonna go in wrecking this route, but it was January, so I hadn't even contemplated that um, you know, the sort of the height that I'd be at and stuff, it could be snow, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't a big climb, but it's just, you know, you're starting higher up by being over that way compared to here, so we didn't have any snow here at all, but I went over to Afford and then it was like, oh, there's snow in the hills, hang on oh well, this is going to be a bit of a snowy one but I'd been going through uh, up this Glen Bucket Ridge and you know, I'd found myself literally waist deep in snow <laughs> at times and then I was like "Oh, I'll just be this little bit here, I'll be a snowdrift and stuff carried on, I climbed up this hill and it was like it was getting no better, no better, no better got to the top and it wasn't waist deep the whole time but it was at least ankle deep and knee deep in lots of places and uh, I wasn't even running You know, it was taking me twice as long as I was wanting it to you and all the rest of it because I was going so slow but what happened was I had this, uh, I don't know if this happens to anyone else, but on my running shoes, the first bit it goes is like the bit above my big toe. I must point my big toe up a little bit. Ah, uh,
3: okay. Pokes,
1: pokes a hole through eventually. It takes a while, but, you know, my trail shoes at the time, they were kind of falling to bits and had a hole, big hole on the top of the toe for ages, but, yeah, you know, didn't really matter. But what happened was the snow was going inside my shoe and turned oh, to ice. Gosh underneath my big toe and I, I didn't really my toes were just numb at the time I can, I can understand how people get bloody frostbite and stuff because you don't really realise what's going on but I was it wasn't until I came off of the really snowy bit and I was running on a much more runnable bit and I thought oh, I've got a funny feeling in my toe I couldn't really work out what it was and I just carried on I got into tarmac run back to my car and then my feet were absolutely freezing and I was like I don't really want to take my socks and shoes off and you know I can't be arsed mm-hmm. for that, so I basically cranked the heater up in my in my car, and then uh, I was driving along, and I got I got so far along the road, and I was like, that feels really weird. I could feel something on my toe, so I pulled in. This is a bit minging. I pulled into the label and had a leak <laughs> and I had like basically I, I was starting to feel at this point I was a bit worried I might actually have something like frostbite, and I should go to the hospital if that's the case. But basically, what had happened was the snow had rubbed so much underneath my toe. Um, that had taken this massive flap of skin. It was a big blister that it was minging. It was, oh. it was really, really quite deep, <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Oh shit!" So I had nothing to change. I had no dry socks or anything, so I just had to put everything back on, crank the heaters on, and I stopped off on route to get some something to eat on the way home. And as I was in there. The feeling started to come back into my feet, and it was really oh, agony. Shit. It was so sore. It is the so worst anyway, pain. The, yeah, the point of that story was this was not too far before the can lost one. So I'd been strapping my toe up, you know, every day, and putting stuff on it and everything to try and get it healed up and protect it. And I remember um, I had my toe strapped up for this race, and I remember the end of the race taking my shoes and socks off and fully intending to go and grab a shower and stuff, but the showers weren't working. I was like, oh crap, I've just taken all that stuff off and I had to just put my shoes back on and I remember just being flipping sore, like <laughs> It was like mm. insult to injury. I was like, oh man, what a nightmare. So anyway, that was the kin loss, the loss that happened. I make that sound so much worse than it was. I just had a shit race, that was all.
2: <laughs>
1: and I moved on and and that was it. I, I, thought I'd, I thought I'd gotten over that race, but obviously not. Jesus. Um,
3: yeah you have to do it again now
1: (laughs) well I was very nearly going to sign up for it this year but yeah I've not done it this year I'm not going to do it so um, anyway right that's um, that's probably enough of last year is it So welcome to the podcast. We've got um, what can only be described as Inverness running royalty on the podcast. We've got uh, Jenny Bannerman and Stephen Mackay, who um, are two, two of the best runners from Inverness, um, certainly in their disciplines. So I'm really, really chuffed to have them on the show with us. And this is the first time we've done a joint interview. So Jenny Rhys-Jenkins, my co-host, and I are both interviewing at the same time. So we've got four of us live and um, on the podcast so hi guys how's it going yeah good thanks how are you yeah very good very good um <laughs> what could right. go wrong i know what could go wrong with the four of us on this uh. so um yeah so happy new year first off um and yeah so we'll just jump straight in i think so really i was delighted to have you both on i spoke to jenny a while ago but coming on but it sort of fell through i think from my side rather than jenny's so i thought when I was speaking to Jenny yesterday, it would be cool to have Stephen on as well. So, uh, Jenny and Stephen are, um, are a running powerhouse, I suppose, a couple from Inverness, and they, <laughs> they both uh, do very well in, in the running scene. Jenny, more of a sort of 5K, 10K runner, and Stephen, I think 800, 1500 meter sort of, beer Yeah, now. 3K now as well,
4: yeah. 3K yeah. as well, yeah. So, moving up, moving
1: yeah, up. we'll get, we, we talk about that recent performance as well. So, um, Maybe yeah, maybe we'll go straight into the sort of credentials I guess first. So um you know, lots of people listening to this will be aware of who you are, but some maybe won't be. And uh so maybe we'll start with you, Stephen. Your rec- most recent performance that was um uh three thousand meter uh, at the Glasgow uh, BMC milers is that what you call them? Meet and yeah, so it's did it's the Scottish Championships, like yeah. So Yeah. How did you
4: get on there then? Let us know. Yeah, no, it was good. Obviously a PV of 813, which is a, a massive T V for me. Um, spent quite a lot of time this winter so far working on my endurance, so it was nice to see some <laughs> payoff on that. Um, yeah. Although it was almightily painful. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I've still not quite recovered, but no, it, you know, it was really good, and um, I think I enjoyed it kind of somewhere <laughs> in my mind.
1: Yeah, so you came second overall in that race but the yeah. guy who
4: was first he's not a Scot is he? No he wasn't Scottish but it's an open championship so, ah, right. you know so people we, can or anyone for that mark can win it but um, So does, does he become the Scottish champion and you're the silver he, medalist? Yes yep am yeah. the yeah. silver okay. medalist
1: he's the Scottish champ, so Cool yeah. oh. So you you are runners up at the Scottish championship that is pretty cool in my eyes um, so yeah okay, that's yeah. A, it's an, an indoor 3000 so that's um
4: Fifteen laps of pain, yeah. 50, fifteen,
1: yeah. So it's seven and a half normally. So fifteen, oh fifteen two hundred metre laps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've watched, uh, I've watched uh, Mo Farah doing a, a three thousand indoor, and the the speed you have to go around those bends at is pretty crazy. So yeah, uh, yeah. it must be a different dynamic from normal, uh, from the four hundred, <laughs> I guess.
4: Four hundred. I, I actually quite enjoy it to be honest. I like the constant reminder of what pace you're doing because for someone yeah. like me you fall asleep quite easily but with <laughs> 200 metres every lap it's kind of like you're reminded constantly um, yeah. so that's one more lap one more lap so yeah. yeah I quite like it but I see other people moan about it but the end do of you of the day, lose track weekend.
3: of yeah do you lose track of how many you've done ever
4: <laughs> Um you know if you ask me what was happening in a race like that, I have no idea you know um, so you probably okay. do lose track you just I, I, you can maybe first three laps, you're thinking about it constantly, and then you just kind of you have to turn off because if you were thinking all the time right right ten laps to go, nine laps to go, eight laps to go,
3: yeah.
4: I think it would be quite difficult, but yeah uh, no nah, I, I don't true. think you ever lose track you, you know I think you've probably got a race plan, so if you're just yeah, kinda, that's if, true. You're, yeah. if you're waiting waiting for the last two laps to put it on then. <laughs> um like me um, yeah so yeah, right actually,
1: enough <laughs> how, how did the race go then um last week, so James McMurray was the guy who took the win, and he was oh, look at the times thirteen seconds ahead, so was he did he have a commanding lead all the way around
4: yeah, um, so I mean, there's a pacemaker in the race, which is quite strange for a national championship, but the way that's been set up, they have a pacemaker so. The pace was really set for him, you know, whoever's the fastest in the race normally can dictate yep. the pace and he'd asked for kind of 63 to 64 seconds per 400. Um, so for the first kind of four laps, I was like behind them but ahead of the lead group and trying to decide whether I would go with it mm-hmm. um, and my coach had given me pretty explicit instructions not to go with that and <laughs> um, also for the first K I was thinking about not doing what I was told but yeah. <laughs> eventually I just decided to sit back and then once I got back you know there was a group of us and it was quite clear then that we were just going to battle out for seconds so you know from there I just really sat in and then with about a bit of K to go I think it was maybe James Donald he just took off he stretched it out and I just slowly egged him in and then for to go I <laughs> spent it as hard as I could and uh, just about made it over the line. So, yeah, uh, yeah,
1: please. so just looking at the results, mm-hmm. so there was um, just you had just over a second ahead of James Donald, who was less than a second in front of Aberdeen, well, met through Aberdeen's Cameron Strachan, who some of the listeners will be aware of, then another half a second back to Michael Ferguson from Aberdeen. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it was tight second, third, fourth, fifth. There's two seconds, basically, between you. So, yeah, it shows it was yeah. a tight, tight finish there. Um, so, yeah, well done for, for winning the mini race, I suppose. Uh, that's guys And those guys, and, and, and <laughs> your speed at the 800 and 1500 must have, must have helped there, I guess. Um, yeah. So, that, that, yeah, that's just one of your races. We'll have a chat about the other stuff you've done as well, but we'll better bring Jenny in because she's mm-hmm. sitting there nice bring and the quietly. Uh, and so, Jenny, your credentials, I know I know a bit more about you, actually, than, than I have, than about Stephen. I probably know more about Stephen just from your Facebook feed. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> the PR officer if not so Jenny tell us a, a bit about you I mean you've am I right in saying you've represented Scotland um previously yeah yeah so you you have done that and so you're I mean I've I've sort of I've done uh Jenny before you came on that you know I've sort of been a racist where you've been before and and, and I once, only once, managed to squeeze a second ahead of you at 3K. And that was <laughs> three, three and a half years ago. And then ever <laughs> since then, you've got faster and I've got slower. So I'm <laughs> absolutely nowhere near you in a race now. And um, just the last couple of years especially, I've been sort of watching your progress. And it's you've gone, you know, you're already really fast. You're already winning races all over Scotland. And, and you just seem to be getting faster. You're hitting PBs. And um, so... Well, just pick one. I'll let you pick one, sort of last year. What's been one of your best races from last year that you would like to have a wee chat about first?
5: Um, probably the Scottish 5K Champs. That was probably my best race. Um, so that was in Silver now, last May in Edinburgh. Um, so I finished fourth. And they do say fourth is unlucky, but I was absolutely delighted to finish fourth that day. So (laughs) um, it's a really strong field. And I ran my second fastest 5K ever and helped bring the Inverness Harriers ladies team to national gold medal and it's got a championship as well. We had Mary McLennan, who was second. And Gemma Cormack, who was um, high up as well. She was top 20 as well. So we um, managed to get the gold medal there. So that was a really good moment and that was my second fastest 5K ever and getting... A uh, national gold, albeit not individual, but team was yeah, was brilliant, really, really, really
1: good. Yeah, I mean, super. I'm, fact, I'm, I'm trying. to look at the results, so they're broke. They're not broken down into gender, so I can see Morag Miller. Was she? Was she first? Yeah, she
5: won, yeah. and Mari was second, Mavi, and McLenna then Faneuva, second. Faneuva
1: Ross. Ross aye, I mean, those are three yeah. massive hitters in the, in the running circuit. So finishing behind those guys is, you know. It, it definitely no shame in that at all so yeah fourth in the championship and then overall and then getting the team gold is fantastic for for inverness so yeah brilliant well done and so your time there was 16:49, was it was that 16, 39 39 sorry
5: 30 seconds. Uh, 10 <laughs> seconds sorry very important, headset. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, the one below it says 1648. Sorry, I got it mixed up there. I'd be finished yeah. if
4: I said that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in a different uh, area of code. I'll get away with it. So yeah, sorry, 1639, which is, I mean, that's lightning quick. Really, it really is. So, well done for that one. So that's a very brief introduction to just sort of give the listeners a taste of how good you are as runners, I suppose. But Let's take a massive jump back and um, how did did you guys get into running in the first place? Um, Whoever wants to go first? Jenny, you probably started earlier, did you? Okay,
5: I'll go first and start (laughs) start running first. So yeah, I I started running when I was 10. Um, I did a couple of school cross-country events and some track events and went along to an under-11 group run by... Who the Inverness listeners would um, call as legendary, Colin Bailey. He 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 started me off with the under eleven group, um, and just didn't ever really stop. To be honest, uh, moved on to under thirteen, under fifteen, under seventeen level. Took a little bit of time out when I was sort of fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, doing doing exams. I didn't race as much. Um, I think I still raced every year, but just not not as much in the sort of mid-teens, and then um, my dad, I was all doing sort of track stuff, and my, my dad said, we were t- talking about a 10K, and he said, I think you could go under 50 minutes if you, d- if you did a 10K. So kind of, that was 2007, or maybe end of 2006, beginning of 2007. Um, so I did my first 10K in June 2007, and ran just over 46 minutes. So i um, totally delighted that... Um, that I was able to do what my dad thought I couldn't was just <laughs> sort of taken off from there on the road. scene really.
1: Yeah. So, 2007. How old were you when you did that first 10k? I'm looking at your. Nineteen. Your says under 23, which doesn't really tell. You were only nineteen. Yeah, nineteen. Right, okay, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. So, and you 46. 46 <coughs> minutes. Yeah. That's.
5: Yeah, it's and not the on pound of ten if you're no, looking at on pound of ten because no, that was it's... before pound of ten would say, had got all the results. So yeah, yeah.
1: So you've got you've got a 10k on there for Goldsby, which is later the same year, and you've yeah. gone under under
5: 45 at that one. Yeah, my dad ran that one with me. Yeah. All <laughs> um, right, cool. Cause, cause ran ran 46 and then he said, right, that was your first one. I think you can go under 45 to for your next one. So he ran that one with me in Goldsby. So yeah, it was good.
1: Cool. Yeah. So I mean yeah, I was gonna I was gonna go on to talking about your, your dad actually anyway, but since you've you've mentioned him already we'll maybe jump straight in. So your dad is uh Charles or Charlie Bannerman is, is a well known character in the, the North District running scene and um I think lots of people will be aware of, of him and uh he's a coach and I don't, I don't know, does he still run or
5: yeah, well, still, he, does, he still yeah. he still runs. He still trains five or six times a week. Eh, although oh, really? his knees are getting old, so he he, <laughs> he um he, he does a bit of cross training in the gym. But I mean, he was just texted me there. He he was, he's been out a run tonight and oh, good yeah. Stuff. So did so, so this hill rip. So yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's yeah. I mean you spoke about um, did you say his name was Colin Bailey? Yeah. Yeah, he said that he was a legend in Inverness. But I think your dad certainly would be class as a legend in Inverness as well. So he's been. Obviously, an encouraging uh, force for your uh, running. And has he been coaching you since those days, or just been encouraging in the background? And more recently, he's been coaching you.
5: Pretty much. I mean, he he. When I was younger, he was very much of the mindset that I should just go with whatever co- you know coaching the, the club was providing. You know, yeah. he didn't want to be sort of pushy and. You know, he just wanted me to find my own own feet, and there was me doing all right at sort of sprints and 800s and things like that. But you know, never never sort of going anything past maybe district um, bronze or something like that. But um, yeah, um, he he never even saw like the maybe the long distance road stuff. He, we always thought my endurance maybe wasn't that good. Um, but then it, he, so he's always sort of encouraged or maybe given me a wee bit of guidance what event he thought I should do at certain championships or whatever. Um, but it was just really sort of in my late teens when um, I wasn't really you know not no longer a junior at the club anymore, so sort of maybe going out for runs with him and things like that and it just sort of took off from there.
1: Cool. And was your dad a coach before coaching you or became
5: yep. so
1: sort of together.
5: Yeah, he's he's been a well, he's been a member of Inverness Harriers for fifty years, um, wow. and he's uh, so he's he, he's probably co- well he's coached for a huge chunk of that. Um, you know, for a spell he was sort of competing um, and coaching, and then coaching took over. Um, so he's, yeah, so he's, he's, his his, uh, his sort of main events before were sort of things like high jump, hurdles, but it were technical events. Yeah. So it's quite different for him to come on to to um, endurance, but mm-hmm. he he still obviously he, he was he did endurance himself, so he kind of knew it from that side of things. And um, yeah, yeah, high jump. He actually the the he he coached the girl who still got the national, got Scottish national high jump record as well, Jane barnston I think it's been on since nineteen. 19- 80. Oh, you'll kill me if I get this wrong. Uh, 84, 85. I have no idea. Before I was born, in 87. Anyway, so yeah.
1: Wow, so, um, that's pretty yeah, cool. cool.
5: Yeah. Yes, yeah, so it's quite quite a cool. Uh, what was
1: her name?
5: Jane Barnettson.
1: Jane Barnetson, Okay, never never heard of her, but um, yeah, I, I will look her up. Back in the 80s, anyway. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And my then... my
5: mum, uh, my mum, they met through running as well. But um, yeah, oh, okay. she she was a hurdler, so. Um, yeah, so I couldn't, I couldn't really avoid not going to running because that's what I was. I grew up at the track or whatever, yeah. watching. So yeah.
1: No, it's cool. I mean, like I always love these sort of stories. You know, I've I've got two daughters and, and now a son as well, and uh, I, I love sort of hearing these things like dads and their kids or parents and their kids. You mm-hmm. know, having shared shared interests and uh, and it's obviously you know, you you can see, like, just when you're talking about it, uh, that you love it, and he obviously loves it as well, so it's really cool that you've got that to share, I think. Um, So, we'll jump back over to you, Stephen, uh, not to ignore you. Uh, uh, So, you're you're getting running slightly later, I think, Jenny told me earlier,
4: so, how did you get into that, then? Yeah, it's probably a lot different to Jenny's story. I had absolutely no interest in running whatsoever. So when I was younger, I just played football um, and pretty much every other sport other than running. (laughs) Um, And I got quite a bad injury playing football, or I had a couple. Um, So I just started running really to get a bit fitter so I could go back and play. Uh, But I just kept going back and kept getting injured. So anyway, I think my mum had convinced me to run the Loch Ness 10K and I was like, all right, I'll go along. I ran it in my football shorts, my football socks. And <laughs> I think I ran, like, I don't even know what I ran. Maybe, like, 35 minutes or something. I, I, I'm not too sure. But at the end, I met um, Charlie Forbes, who is a middle-distance coach, sprints coach, from the Venice And he convinced me to come down to the club. Um, so I went down, and I went for one session. I said, no, I'm not coming back. This is not my scene. <laughs> so I didn't go back for about four months, and then by then it was maybe about February, and he's like, you should just try an 800, and I was like, oh, I don't think I'd really enjoy it, but anyway, he got me to do it, and I ran 209, and I got beat by about four 15-year-old boys, and by this time I was like <laughs> 19, and I'm pretty sure I nearly got beat by the first girl as well, so I was like, look, this really isn't for me, um, but anyway, he, per- he persisted, and yeah, he just kept me going, so... Charlie probably coached me all the way up until about 2016, um, and I ran 150 with him. I won all my kind of national medals in the first few years with Charlie, and to this day he's pretty close to me and advising me, but I, I'm, I'm coached by Mark Pollard now, but um, it was definitely Charlie's influence that got me to this stage, and, yeah, I really only just started to try and get fit, but here we are. Yeah. Whatever year it is, 2020, I'm still going, so... yeah. <laughs>
1: No, that's, uh, I mean, I actually, because I've got your power and ten in front of me, I, I can look at your first 10K time, and you did it yeah. in thirty-five fifty-five, right, oh, which is, nice. I mean, my first 10K, rocking up in football shorts and football socks, whatever else, I did like a forty-six, yeah. fifty something, right? Uh, so, you've obviously got, well, obviously, because now you can see how much potential you, you would have had, and uh, yeah. Charlie must have seen that, and to run you know, even although it was a two oh nine, I mean I'd love to run a two hundred nine eight hundred <laughs> to be honest. Um, yeah. you know, 209. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean it's 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 quick, but obviously when you're in in a proper race with guys who've been doing it all the time, you know, you hadn't yeah. probably done an awful lot of training up to that point. And then once you sort of focused in, you know, you see the times coming tumbling down and you've you've gone into one hundred fifty eight territory, which is I mean that's that hurts me thinking about it, to be honest. But um so that's pretty cool and uh, good on him for for persistent
4: because you know you would never have realised the talent you have if, if if he'd sort of let you. Uh, yeah, well, I mean you. I'm forever indebted to to Charlie for that. I mean we're we're very close anyway. But mm-hmm. um, whatever I achieve in running, whether he's now he's you know, obviously given my training programme, but you know I would definitely owe it to him because if it wasn't for him, I definitely wouldn't have kept going, um, or I wouldn't have taken the unconventional route that I did from going 10k. All the way down to now (laughs) progressing my way back up towards 10k. Uh, Hopefully, I'll never make it back up to 10k, but yeah, maybe 5k. It'd be interesting
1: interesting to see how fast you could go at 10k these days.
4: Uh, 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 That's a a lot of running, that. 3k is bad enough.
1: It's less running for you than it is for me, it takes you much less time. (laughs) Yeah, you got yourself down to 30. (laughs) Thirty-three ten. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure you'd be able to smash that out of the water if you trained Yeah,
4: I mean, I, 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 pro- I do, I do sometimes feel curious to what I would run, but <coughs> I think the pain that it would cause me soon puts me off. Um, <laughs> I occasionally do runs like that in training, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. longer tempos. And
2: mm-hmm.
4: I, I know I obviously can run a lot faster in 30 minutes, but mm-hmm, um, sure. yeah, I don't, I don't know if it would be as quick as what people expect. And um, I think I would have a severe drop off after about six k. So <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah. mean,
1: it's a di- it is, and that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Stephen. Was you know it is, yeah. it it is a different sport, isn't it? So we yeah, sure. as endurance runners, we sort of you know, you might watch the 1500 and the, sort of, well, you don't ever watch a 3000 very often, but, um, on the TV, but, yep. or, or at the, or the stadium or whatever. And, and you do sort of think, because they're running around 400-meter loops, the same as the 5000 and the 10,000 guys, you kind of think it's the same sport, but a yeah. uh, 1500 is a wildly different beast from a 10K. And For
4: sure.
1: Um, I've done one in my life, and, you know, it was... It, was, it wasn't a very competitive race so I'll end up running myself um, but i imagine once you get into the, the heart of that final lap sort of territory in a 1500 it's just so painful <laughs>
4: you know. I mean I, I'm probably it, it is painful but there's probably nothing more painful than a 400 metre race and that's what yeah. I would always say to people I mean obviously I've run fairly quick over 8 so I used to do a lot of 400s and I can't Put into words how painful it is to run a 400 metres flat out. Um, yeah. A 1500 is a strange one because as you get better, the race changes. So I think when you're racing at district level and when you start, it tends to be this kind of race where you just kind of steadily go along and you just run the same pace pretty much the whole way round. Mm-hmm. Whereas you get better, it seems to turn to this race of so steady for three laps and then all out sprint for 300 metres and mm-hmm. When it gets to that, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> it's pretty painful. But you know, you're you're in such a zone that you're not even thinking about it. The races the where you're thinking about this is sore is normally the bad ones. If you're running well, it just it just happens, mm-hmm. and then all you know is you're lying on your back at the end. Like, oh, <laughs> that's that another one. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I was going to say there. You mentioned the 400 being the most painful thing, and I and I actually we chatted. I chatted, sorry, to Zoe Clark uh, on the podcast okay. uh, last year. And and I, I basically, I've never done a 400 flat out, by I, I said uh-huh. to her, I, I imagined it's probably the hardest race out there, you know, because it is yeah. effectively, it's still a sprint. But it's yeah. like a whole, whole lap of the track flat out almost yeah. And, sure. uh, yeah, I can imagine, yeah, I, I would I'd imagine I would die after at 200 uh, and just walk off, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think it's really... Yeah, they're all they all hard in their own way, I guess. But um, so yeah, I was, yeah. When I was looking earlier, I forgot to mention it. But when I was looking earlier at uh, your power of ten, I noticed that you had you ranked number one in twenty nineteen for two thousand meters oh, in the nice. UK. In the UK, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I thought <laughs> i yeah, on cool. that one. Yeah, it's <laughs> And the reason I noticed it was I was gonna I was kind of gonna ask you about the the sort of upsurge in 1500 metre running in S- Scotland especially in the last sort of few yeah. years there's a few unbelievable guys um, yeah. that came through uh, and so I'm not sure, really sure where I was going to go with this but you've obviously, yeah you, know, you jumped up and you got the, you came second in that championships but you were the, you were the first Scottish guy so you know almost yeah. could call yourself the Scottish champion I guess but at 3,000, oh. but at 1,500, you know, I mean, your time is it's lightning quick. You know, it's 3.47. So I make sure you don't get your PB wrong. Yeah, 3.47. 3.47, yeah, which, I mean, that is super, super fast. But the top, top guys, you know, they're they're just that bit quicker. Um, yeah. And I flirted with wanting to do some of these short, so I mentioned it as a 1,500-meter race once and I sort of flirted with the idea of running these shorter races, but I sort mm. of I couldn't really find any that would you know, it's not the same as your five K, ten K races where the sort of mass yeah. participation is yeah. is easy. And I, I don't imagine it so my time for the record was like four forty four or something, right? So okay. you know, I'd be still on the track when everybody else had left. If <laughs> I was in a race with you guys. But No, not um, quite. not quite so yeah. you're What first Scott last year was Jake Whiteman in 331, which is, that's pretty scary. Um, uh, Yeah, so I mean, where I'm going with this, I'm I'm sort of rambling a bit, but um, how competitive is it for that you're ranked in Britain, I'm not sure where you were ranked in Scotland last year, but 67th in the UK with a lightning quick time, but there's, there's not much between you and the top 20 sort of thing, but yeah,
4: so you're, where Where do you race, I suppose, is what I'm kind of getting to? Um, I mean, I suppose it depends, I mean, the rankings are, they're, they're so tight, and in Scotland, the level of 1500 metre running is, is so high, I mean, the World Trials this year, the British Champs, I made the final there, but there was five Scots in the final, five <laughs> Scots in a final of 12, and if you think about the population size of Scotland yeah. versus England, you know, it's a huge, huge ratio, Um. To run really fast, you're probably looking at races abroad. Um, So, I mean, even, for example, this indoor season, I'm already looking at races in Vienna, Stockholm, which I was just talking to Jenny about before this. You can see her eyes rolling to the back of her head as I (laughs) tell her all the places I'm about to go to, Um, and another one in Ireland. Um, So to get that competitive racing, it it doesn't really exist in Scotland. Mm. It does exist. To a point in England, you know you've got the BMC Grand fees, yeah. which they put on good races um, and it is a, it's a shame that it doesn't exist because you've just said how, how many guys, sixty guys down to me that have run whatever mm-hmm. time you know yeah,
2: yeah if you yeah. can
4: get all those guys in one place all racing you're going to start running fast, but mm-hmm. it just doesn't seem to be possible, and people, whether they like going on their holidays abroad or not, i don't know, but and <laughs> um, for me, I would love to be able to just nip down to Glasgow. Um, and there, were, there was one race last year, I think we ran, there was a Milers Club uh, meeting there, I think I ran 347, and there was guys like me, Saul, Kane Elliott, you know, all your top guys below, you know, your top four or five mm-hmm. that are making the world team in Scotland, the rest of the domestic guys, they all raced each other, and there was a lot of PBs, so. Yeah. Um, and that's down to guys like Mark Pollard that are pulling together BMC races in Scotland, um, unfortunately they can't, you know, there's maybe two a year. Um, you kind of even need other people to step up and maybe organise a few more
1: Yeah, um, yeah, because at your distance you're not looking at only a handful of races you won't be racing really regularly, don't you it's not the same as your yeah, 10k um, or half marathon where, you Yeah, you're,
4: you're looking for a good spread of like whether it be start the season with a few 800s and then moving on to 1500s yeah. uh, and then you're kind of looking at the championship season, so you, you might run you know, 10 to 15 races in a summer season, which, you know, if you run that many 10Ks in a year... <laughs> well, I'm sure... How, how many run 10Ks do you run a year?
5: Um, I, I don't think I've ever done more than 10.
4: Yeah, so it, it would be a lot anyway. Yeah, and especially because yeah. the summer season's condensed into four months. Mm-hmm, so. Yeah. And... I forgot what I was going to say there. Um, Oh, yeah, so...
1: It, the, it, the sort of ranking... Or not the ranking, but the the time that you're running, um, you know, your PBH 347, and what is... For a guy of your ability and your stature and your ambition, what is the sort of main goal in a year for you? you know, what, what are you aiming at?
4: Um, I mean, last year, my goals had been very different to what this year coming. So, I mean, looking, when I was starting last year, I kind of half decided I was going to make a go running. So March, February time even, I kind of quit my job. And then I went away altitude training for a month with uh, Muir and Andy Young and the rest of their group. So, coming off the back of that, my goals really were to win the Scottish Champs, which I think I was second, and make the British final, which I did. So, I was actually reasonably successful, and I wanted to break the club record for 1,500. So, I did that. Um, So, having done that, now I kind of want to move on to, you know, I'd love to get down towards that 340, which, Mm -hmm. to be honest, I think I was probably in shape to do that last year, but I didn't actually run that many 1,500s, because... I still had a lot of injury problems. Um, okay. Just My training volume increased so much. Things were going so well, but my body maybe wasn't quite ready to handle uh, that sort of volume. So I was still breaking down a lot. Um, whereas now, since the end of the summer, I've trained pretty consistently. So my goals for this year are probably maybe medal at the British Championships indoors. Um, yeah, yeah, and then cool. see if I can break 340, but that's a, that's a tough one, Matt.
1: So is a... Is a is that on 1500? Yeah, or
4: yeah, I, yeah. My, my focus now is definitely towards 1500. Yeah. So, as a 1500
1: runner, um, are those things sort of just seen as like stepping stones to try and get to the next level, and the next level, and the next level, and just see where it takes you, basically? Or
4: yeah, I think ultimately everyone's moving up. That's mm-hmm. what people say. You're never moving down in distance; you're moving up. So yeah. Um, I'd like to get my times down to there because, you know, if you're running down to low 340s, you've got a chance of running, like, Commonwealth Games qualifying times yeah. you might pick up the odds, you know, indoor championships. And you've got to set goals like that to just make yourself want to keep going. Um, but I don't know if it's stepping to a longer distance. I certainly think I will move up to kind of 5K and maybe I can run a bit faster there, but... Um, I I
1: I didn't mean stepping stones to a longer distance, sorry, I meant stepping stones to the next stage of competition. So you're you're talking about last year you wanted to get to the final of the British champs, this year you would hope to get a meddling, and then if you get down to sort of 340, you're then more competitive with the top guys in some so that's kind of what I mean, so you, and then
4: you mentioned All yeah, World, yeah, World yeah, Games, no, Yeah, right, and it, yeah. Yeah, it is stepping stones, Um, and I did the same process over 800, you know, I got faster and faster, and then I kind of got to a level, I think I ran about 150, and I just, I couldn't get any faster, so I wasn't mm-hmm. fast enough, so then, you know, and I achieved everything I probably could have at that distance, so at 1500, I see myself, yeah, set those targets, you know, British Champs final, next year it might be a medal, mm-hmm. a year after that, Um. Maybe it'll be retirement if I've run fast enough. Maybe decide that'll be enough. But, yeah. um, no, I've definitely got, I've got my own goals in my head, which I think, you know, your kind of lifetime goals, which I would like to achieve. And mm-hmm. um, I think once you've hit them, then maybe you'll feel satisfied or maybe you'll just set more. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Yeah. So what's the, um, what is the, um, the route to getting things like a Scotland vest or a GB vest? Because I, mean, I know, like, as a distance runner, there are lots of different ways you can get, you know, Scotland vest. But if you're just in the track, I suppose there may be less opportunities there. Yeah,
4: I mean, on the track, it, it's pretty limited. I mean, you're looking at maybe Commonwealth Games, which is only mm-hmm. one every four years. Mm-hmm. There's normally a couple of internationals a year, um, normally one at Loughborough, and they've just brought one at Manchester. Okay. Um, but they're just. <laughs> They're not like massive international matches, and it's like one person yeah. per event. Okay. Um, and I'm, and I'm, to be, I still to this day never ran one. although I've been asked to run for a couple of times. and It's just never really worked out. Um, so I don't on the road. It's you know people are always thinking, I want to get a Scotland best, because there's quite a lot of well, there used to be a lot of opportunities and they've cut yeah. them right down. Um, when you're on the track, I don't think you think about it as much because it's just no. that you know it's four years if you're good enough to make the Commonwealth Games, you're going to know about it and yeah. you're going to be aiming for that. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, then you're probably just setting your own goals to keep yourself going. And then British bests they're really hard to come by, I suppose, especially yeah, yeah. as you get older. Um, you're looking at then going to your, your British Championships, your World Trials, Olympic Trials. If you finish top three there, you're going to have a chance. But then yeah. on top of that, you need to be running qualification times. And, you know for a lot of people there, be out of reach. Um, And especially in the 1500 now, you know, in that final, the the final I made this year, like, even if I'd finished in the top three, I had no chance of running that qualifying time last year. Um, And probably about half the field had no chance of running that time. Yeah. Um, Whereas the top...
1: Have they pushed the qualifying time up, given how good the top three or four guys are?
4: Yeah, I think it's more in line with the... IAAF, they've changed their qualification oh, okay. standards um, and the Olympic standards are getting harder. Mm-hmm. Um, it, when you're at indoor championships, the, the qualification standards are a bit softer. Um, so say, for example, for the world indoors, the standard's 340. So that seems, you know, <laughs> not easy because it definitely isn't, but it's definitely yeah. more achievable. Yeah. Um, whereas if you look at outdoors, you're looking at running like 334 for 1500. That's too that. that. That's a standard. It's, it's around that area now. If you're thinking about probably guys all-time in Scotland, I have no idea, but it's probably about yeah. three or four guys, and um, which yeah. probably also happen to be running at this moment. But
1: um, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't imagine it'd be quite as quick as that. That is,
4: yeah, it's it's, it's for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. All right. Well,
1: yeah. Okay. Thanks for for all that detail. I mean, that's really cool. One other thing, maybe. Sorry, Jenny, you're not getting much of will look in, it in a moment. But one, one other thing I was going to ask you, since we're just on the topic of how different 1500 is, is yeah. uh, do you mind sharing sort of what your training's like in terms of? You don't have to give away any secrets, but um, <laughs> a sort of a standard week or two weeks or something. What sort of sessions are in there? Yeah, I mean, what I sort moved. of distance do you cover? You know, what, what's
4: your weekly yeah. mileage, I mean, your longest
1: run, and that sort of thing
4: on a, On a weekly basis, it'll be like anywhere between sixty to sixty five miles a week, and I'd probably just sit about that figure. I've kind of experimented with more and I break down and if I do less, I maybe just feel a bit flat, so
2: mm-hmm.
4: I kind of stay in that range and we work on like a two week cycle
2: okay
4: so I'll run thirteen days and then have one day off and we're just looking to cover you know all the different bases as such so maybe over a two week block, I might do one five k session. One fifteen hundred 1500 session, and then one 800 session. Um, and Normally, the two big days, I'll have two big days a week of uh, a Monday and a Saturday. So, they'll be my two kind of hard session days. Yeah. And then, on a Wednesday, I normally do maybe a long, kind of steady run. So, it'll be anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half, probably averaging 540-ish. Um, and then, on a Thursday, I just do like a ticking over session. So, I'll do like a short... Tempo one week and then the next week I maybe do some short speed work, so maybe like 10 by 200 um, yeah. just to keep my legs ticking over And that's kind of a rough week. I mean it, it depends what kind of stage of year we're at If yeah, yeah. I was getting ready for a championship Maybe I'll run a few more 800 meter sessions or we do stuff like cut downs So you know you start at a certain pace and you just work the pace down and you try and replicate um, maybe the end of a race where you've yeah, got to yeah. kick hard under fatigue mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah so yeah it's, it's not, as I say I, I, did, I know people try keep their training secret but I definitely don't and <laughs> I've got Strava and everyone can see it
2: Yeah. I think yeah. it's totally
4: individual to you I mean I could pick up let's say Jake Whiteman you said he was top of the rankings I could do his training tomorrow and I can almost guarantee I'll probably have pretty bad results with it so mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, yeah. that's true.
1: It's so true that it's, uh, yeah, every single runner needs, has different requirements and responds differently to different stimulus and all the rest of it. So, on top of the running, what sort of, do you do work in the gym as well? I imagine you do, but... um,
4: Yeah, so, just recently, probably from, what month, from about September... Um, I started to work with a strength conditioning coach uh, up north, a guy called Kenny McLean, so he sends me through a program that comes through two days a week and it's, it's all pretty functional stuff there's no like heavy lifting, it's just you know, maybe starts with like range of movement work, so uh, a lot of stretching, a lot of mobility and then just a lot of core um, maybe some squats, but never with a bar just always with like a kettlebell or even just body weight um, mm-hmm. I never lift heavy weights, I, I've experimented in the past, but um, I've had quite a lot of issues. So I try and keep that up two times a week. Um, when I get to racing, sometimes I pull that back because yeah. I'm doing loads of lunging. I can just feel the fatigue in my legs. So, Although I need no excuse to stop that work. you know, I'm like, <laughs> I'll stop it for two weeks, and then that'll be me. Stop it for four. So yeah, no, I, I, I do know. try and keep it as consistent as possible, but um, it does fall by the wayside now and then. There's no substitute for running. Running is definitely the most important aspect, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I live by that. <laughs> Extracted conditioning is uh, something I want to do, and I, I I do it for, like, two or three weeks at a time, and <laughs> I sort of fall off it. But um, actually, yeah. so when I ran when I, when I my PBs, I, I was going to the gym for half an hour once a week and doing some yeah. not Not much, but I think it probably did make a difference, actually. But, um, yeah, it's... It's interesting you, you sort of, yeah, you mentioned no heavy weights and some body weight stuff and all the rest of it because there are lots of different approaches. And I remember I listened to this interview a few years ago. I, I can't remember who the runner was, but was. I think it was American guys uh, or, a, or a British guy training with these American guys and they were doing serious, serious weights after their hard sessions. and yeah. It was, uh, I think they, they did, they were very, very fast, but I think the guy in question got injured and his career ended Shortly, you know, quite early <laughs> yeah. on, you know, I think he maybe overdid it, or he definitely overdid it. But yeah, it's yeah. it's it's hard to get that sort of balance, and, and yeah, getting um, um, getting the right approach for you, I guess, is the is the right thing. And and running is well, but yeah. you're you're running, so running is going to be the most important.
4: Yeah, method. I think the golden rule for weights is just to incorporate enough to. So you feel like it's making a difference, but mm-hmm. never sacrifice your running. You know, if you mm-hmm. if you have a quality session on a Tuesday and you're going into the gym on a Monday and doing heavy weights, and that's leaving you fatigued for your session, then the weights aren't really doing their job. You know, they, mm-hmm. they should really be there just to allow you to do the stuff that's going to make a difference, and that's the running. You know, it's a preventative measure; it makes you a bit stronger. But yeah. they're not going to. Well, in my opinion, I should put a <laughs> the same They're not going to make you run faster. They're just going to, you know, help that. Process of recovery yeah. and such like.
1: Yeah. Well, I can assure you that I respect your opinions. So <laughs> 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 uh, your credentials are, are pretty good. So, okay, uh, Jenny, let's bring you back in. You've been uh, ignored for a wee while. Um, so. she's ever been.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, we'd sort of touched on your background and. Um, we spoke about your favourite or your favourite performance anyway from last year. Um and your training. So let's talk about your your training I guess. So I, I mentioned earlier that I'd been amazed at your you know, the PBs you've been hitting the last couple of years and you seem to have made massive strides forward in in terms of performance and times over five K and ten K anyway. Um what would you say, if anything, do you think has made that difference and and how are you training and that sort of thing now
5: Um, I think just sort of consistency of training um I think um like I, I don't do as many miles as Stephen and which it might think strange that he does the short races and uh, and I he does more mileage than mm-hmm. me but um yeah I um we uh, Stephen mentioned earlier about experimenting sort of longer and um, more miles and then just breaking down so yeah, I'll do like maybe 50 to, 50 to 60 miles a week we tried 60 plus for a short while and it just didn't work um, but yeah, the consistency of just working out what works for you uh, getting company with training as well so I've got a really good training group that I'll ju- jump in and out of depending on whether the sessions uh, suit what my dad and me do Um just yeah, just I think company consistency, um, and just yeah, regular racing as well, just to see where you're at. Mhm.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned the company. Is that as part of an Inverness Harriers group that you're running with?
5: Um, or... a lot of them are members of the club. There's a few like non club members as well. So we don't. We would normally. We wouldn't normally train at club time. We normally the at The club's seven o'clock. We normally meet at six o'clock. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of people I've met through the club. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a huge group. I mean, in the summer you c- you could have twenty plus people. Um, out so it's really really good. Uh, you know what you're doing in advance. Um, some of the guys have, like, they draw up their plan. Um, my dad will drop his plan as to maybe what I'm wanting to do, what he want me to do, and I'll just stay. Uh, I'll just join them. I've I've also got like Stephen does a bit of coaching as well. Um, so I quite often will join people in his group um some of the the younger guys is, you know if they're doing like short sessions and that's what my dad's want me to do then yeah there's always company even if it's not you know our main training group so it, it's good I think company is key and um, I think you can always push yourself you find another couple of years if you've got company compared to if you're doing it on your own and even if my dad is just there at a session um You've got. I find an extra gear compared to if you just told me to go off and do whatever. Yeah. You might settle for just being outside your comfort zone, but you can really get yourself into, you know, a real state of fatigue. Um, you know, if there's somebody pushing you either <laughs> verbally at the side of the road or, or or right next to you or in front of you, you're trying to catch them kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've I've only recently started trying to do that myself, running with other people because I just normally run it sort of really early in the morning and that sort of thing when there's nobody else about But um yeah I was trying to do that a bit more with guys in my club and yeah I had a session on Monday night when I was chasing a guy who was faster than me and I you know I would have slowed down a lot more if he wasn't there you know so definitely uh go for that approach and uh, and you mentioned your your dad does he come out on the bike with you and, and that
5: sort of thing or yeah, so well, I think he's a fair weather cyclist. So in the <laughs> summer he'll be out on the bike. Yeah. Um. Sometimes, well, we'll just maybe just agree a route, and he might just like come out in the car, and we'll like he'll stop off maybe every mile or so, um, or just do reps sort of back to back, um, on sort of quiet country roads or whatever. So he can just be there for most of it, um, or do a loop uh, close by. So, yeah, he, he's there, I'd say probably, well, certainly about 95% of the, the, the rep sessions I do, and he's out there for a few of the runs as well, so just likes to keep an eye on how things are going without, you know, he just let yeah. a lot of the time he'll just let me get on with whatever pace I feel is right for me, but at the same time, it's good to get a little bit of input as well, or advice along the way.
1: Yeah, I mean... It's it's amazing, and I know as your dad, right? But it's amazing dedication to be along all your rep sessions and going out on the on the road in the car and stopping off. I mean, I think everybody could be doing a uh, a Charlie Bannerman in their life to help them with a the run. <laughs> well, it's funny,
5: he, he actually he retired in two thousand and thirteen. He was a, a a chemistry teacher, so oh,
2: he
5: yeah. he he retired in two thousand and thirteen, and I think since then. Uh, we've been able to. Well, he's been he's been able to be there for more training sessions, um, mm-hmm. but also like maybe being able to go to more races because he's not been at the school till you know four o'clock or whatever uh, on a weekday. So for when away, like for example, for a Friday night race or whatever, he he can you know he he knows he can be there. So that is like I wouldn't you know I wouldn't be able to do anything I do without him really. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah he yeah he's hugely dedicated and I think. Like, with coaching, if he's going to do something, he wants to do it properly. Yeah, and so yeah. he wants to be able to see as much of it as he can kind of thing. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I've seen seen your dad down uh, 1 o'clock on a Friday at the the Metro Prom's 3K race in Aberdeen. You know, And I remember the first, that time, I've seen you there two or three times, I think, the first time I, I saw you and I was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and a <I> Friday <played laughs> yeah. afternoon in Aberdeen, cheaper. But your dad's there cheering you on and, you know, and, it's amazing. It really is amazing. Yeah. Um, so I
5: work. I work. Sometimes I work. Well, I work quite a lot of Saturdays. So I'll get a day off during the week. So oh, see, I'm okay. quite lucky that I can take the Friday off mm-hmm. and then work the Saturday. So that's yeah, why okay. it works. Because obviously, it's maybe okay for local runners for that kind yeah. of race that may take an extended lunch break. But if you're anything more than say a 10-minute drive away, you yeah. kind of need the whole day off. So Aye. it makes sense that there's a 3K in Glasgow that we quite often go to as well and a last Friday of the month so like um, do you know it, it actually works quite well now yeah. but we have been able to do that before so
1: mm-hmm. yeah I've never done the, the 3k in Glasgow before how it's in the the green isn't it
5: Glasgow green yeah
1: Glasgow green yeah so what's what's the course like there is it just one lap or is it a couple of laps or how does it work
5: it, it's quite I it's quite similar to the problems in the, in the out and back um, right, okay. finishes so you're probably about, say, 1,600 metres out and 1,400 metres back. Ah, it doesn't good. quite finish at the at the same place as it starts. Um, it's a lot more sheltered, obviously, yeah. than the, <laughs> the beach prom in Aberdeen can be an absolute yeah. nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's a, a good event. I love these events, like, you know, two pounds to go. Yeah, it's brilliant. No frills, you know, no medal at the end, no T-shirts, whatever. Just two pounds. And you can just enter on the day. So, you know, it's not something you've, like, obviously with me, I need, we need to plan a day off work. But it's really good for, those, like, you guys locally and the local ones in Glasgow that can maybe get up in the morning, go to work, see how they're feeling, and then just head along yeah. and everything. Nah, I'm not feeling it today. Then we don't have to go. So it is, it's it's, so good. And I wish there was more of that about yeah, it's um, fantastic. But although the big races are important, um, ones like that uh, really can be a measure of your fitness or your speed or whatever.
1: Yeah, and the, the one at Aberdeen is mm-hmm. great. I mean, I uh, I was having to drive to it before, but I've moved offices now, and I can actually jog sort of two mm-hmm. miles down, run the race and jog two miles back. Exactly. Know, and actually, I'm back in less than an hour. But yeah. um, the the thing I love about the Aberdeen one, is, like no-frills approach, two quid, all the rest of it, but you still, you know, when I first went, I thought it was going to be one of these sort of proper club races where it's you know just all vests and yeah, and, and it is a bit like that up the sort of front end and it's pretty cool. You recognise all the guys you're racing against and everything. But you got, I don't know what this, what the slowest time is, but it's you know there are guys of all abilities running that 3k at lunchtime. And I think it's it's also a really good way to get folk out and doing something, you know, doing some exercise and just starting out. Cause it's not a long distance, so it's uh it's really cool. I love. But well, I really, really like it. It's on this Friday, are you coming? Yeah. Are, are you? you? Yeah, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, I'll uh I'll see you at the end, sort of half a mi- half a minute after uh, after you finish. Oh fishing. I don't
5: think so. As you mentioned <laughs> already you've already beaten me on that one, so <laughs> I,
1: you've you've beat me more than more than once, I think. So <laughs> uh and by and by more than one second, so uh yeah. Uh, that's my claim at the having managed to beat you once, that's it. Um, yeah, so, okay, that's cool. So that, we know exactly what your next race is. That's cool. What about, um, what have you got planned for the rest of this year in terms of races and stuff or goals? We've, we've heard a bit about what Stephen's looking to achieve uh, this season. you got any big goals set for this year that you're going to share? Or... Mm,
5: I've, well, I I think I've got a, a just to sort of race a range of distances so like I've got a 1500 um next weekend um uh, right through to sort of 10ks you know well, spaced out throughout the year a few few 5ks few 3ks um going to our math, the 3k in um in February so yeah just uh goals difficult to say when you've been running for 20 years and (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah i think just running as quickly as possible staying injury free and just enjoying the races that i'm going to
1: yeah that's cool i mean can't really ask for more than that can you um so one thing i was going to ask about and it's maybe not that hearing about your training and stuff it's maybe not that um big a thing but it's being a, a couple that both run, and um, it, it, we can kind of already say that it's sort of different disciplines, really. But um, how does that dynamic work? So just to put it into context, my my home life, my my wife has got zero interest in running. You know, she puts up with me speaking about running and puts up with me going to races and stuff, but it's not nothing she's interested in at all. You know, and so my training sometimes bugs her because I'm going out of the house when she's, you know, wanting us to be doing something <laughs> in the house and that sort of thing. But I guess when you're both driven and both, uh, you know, both have the same sort of ambitions and stuff and and, want to, and and both realize how good it is for you to be out running and stuff, I mean, it maybe makes it a lot easier, but I don't know. Is
4: there any –
1: what are, what are um, the benefits
4: of that? I mean – I think it's just like anything. There's some good things about it and some bad things about it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's good because when I turn up and say, right, Jenny, I'm away to altitude for a month, see you later. (laughs) She's like, yeah, no problem. Or maybe not no problem. She may move (laughs) a a little bit, but it's not as difficult a conversation it would be probably for um, a normal person as such. Um, But you then have to factor in that you're not both going to be successful at the same time no, well, sometimes you are, but sometimes you're not. Um, so Jenny's never injured, but I'm <laughs> But Thank you. I've, had, <laughs> um, I'll end I've up, definitely hey. had my my fair share, and she's probably had to put up with me um, while I've been injured, and vice versa. I've probably had to put up with her while she's having a lot of success, while I'm sitting at home mm. uh, playing Football Manager or something. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's, got, it's got loads of um, plus points, but there is negatives, um, and I think as a couple. I could give any other couple some advice is try not run together too often because um, you'll probably fall out. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we have
5: been known to go out for 10 miles and not say anything to each other. <laughs>
4: yeah. Jenny's the only person I ever go running with and not speak to for the whole duration of the run.
5: <laughs> not cause we've fallen out. <laughs> but just
4: I just don't have anything to say.
1: Because
4: yeah. <laughs> you speak to each other all the time, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's, not like, it's not like I don't want to, it's just like, what uh... do you say? That's quite What's funny because
1: yeah, I've sort <laughs> yeah, so often thought yeah, it'd be quite cool to get my wife into running and you know she'd have to do the sort of couch to 5K approach and I could take her yeah. out and it'd be time spent together and everything. But then maybe you don't want to do that sort of thing because you spend so much time together anyway that it's just another you know. I
4: think the other dynamic as well if you're if you're performing at a reasonable level, all athletes are to a certain degree maybe a little bit selfish. Yeah. So they don't want to sacrifice their own um, training schedule, as such for somebody else. So that can become difficult when it's your partner, because yeah. you know you're more likely to sacrifice things for your partner. So sometimes that maybe gets in the way of training. I don't mm. think it's regular, but um, you know, if if Jenny wanted help in a session, I'm probably more likely to do it for her than I am anyone else. Yeah. Still pretty unlikely, but <laughs> I, mean, I might consider it for Jenny. But, you know, and that, that can become a problem if you're trying no, to No, he'll find
5: out. someone else in his group to do it with me. And if he really can't find anyone else, he'll do it himself. That
1: That, <laughs> that, that is helping, though, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
4: Thank you.
5: I helped yeah. him with his session the other night, but I only did every second laugh of it. <laughs>
4: Yeah, helping, I, I was helping
5: you. I think he was helping me. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I joined him for part of the session. Yeah. yeah, I was there for motivation, not to let me in front of them.
4: But no, I think on the whole, it's a it's a, it's a good thing. Yeah, um, and yeah. You, there's certainly so many. There's so much evidence now of not evidence, but there's a lot of running couples. Um, yeah. you know, we know loads We've been to ones where, like Mark, Mark Mitchell, and Mackenzie went to their wedding. Yeah. Uh, other people, Dougie Selman and Jenny. Now, salmon, you know, there, there's heaps of them out there, and so yeah. it's obviously a dynamic that works. Um, it's yeah. not, it, you know, going be so prevalent. Yeah,
1: and I guess you, you probably hard, hardly ever, maybe never, have the, the awkward conversation of, oh, you're signing up for another race. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which uh, yeah. I think a lot of uh, runners get from their partners because it's like, oh, that's another Sunday out of the window because you're going to, yeah, you know, I never really do go anywhere far for races, you know, Inverness or something might be a bit the furthest, but, yeah. you know, it's, it is all day out, and it's, you know, family time and that sort of thing, so it is understandable, I'm trying to do it too often, but, yeah. yeah. If I, I was, think
5: that's, we've, that's all we've ever known, really, because that's yeah. how we met, was, was uh-huh. through running, so, um, and then if Stephen comes home and says, I've made the tea or whatever, and he says, oh, I've still a 30-minute run to do, that's fine, I'm not bothered mm-hmm. about it, whereas I, ca- I can't imagine, if you didn't run and you think, I've just made the tea and it's ready and you're telling me you're going out for a run it would probably be quite annoying but
1: well I, th- I, I just never do that <laughs> it's not
5: worth it you should get your wife into running
4: yeah well <laughs> you might yeah. be able
5: to do that I yeah, tend I've
4: to tried. Try and run twice a day to avoid any sort of household chore you know I've actually set my training program up so I can run twice a day every day just around the times Jenny's going to ask me to do something in the house
5: yeah uh, like such as hoovering He'll go out and there's nothing else for me to do, so I'll Hoover, it's which amazing. is his job.
1: I I, I I wish I was fast enough to justify that sort of lifestyle, <laughs> Stephen.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: yeah, that, fast, just get out. That's it. You know, twice yeah, a day. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I just I just pretend my wife doesn't do any better. I'll just yeah, I'm I'm, I'm just just below those sort of Stephen Mackays and stuff, fifty hundred. <laughs> so I need to train twice a day. Yeah, all cool. good
4: people start by pretending. <laughs>
1: I like it, I like it. Um, is that your own quote or is that? Yeah, I think <laughs> Stephen
4: McKay. <I> <laughs> Stephen 8th of January 2020 from now. <laughs> Superb. Right, so um, there's one other
1: thing. I'm going to let you go soon because I've, I've taken up quite a lot of your time. Um, we like to talk on the podcast about how running has saved my life or saved your life, A um, sort of running theme that um, we have quotes and stuff from uh, runners about how running has saved them from various life situations things like you know addictions or abusive homes or obesity you know, just anything that I mean I don't know how relevant it is for you guys or if it's continually saving your life I mean obviously you guys will know the benefits of running and that's you know one of the reasons you've have been doing it for so long but uh, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that
4: Side of things, um, I think it's it's complex when you become an athlete. That's like doing it for purely performance. Mm-hmm. Your relationship with it becomes totally different, you know, because you're, you're trying to achieve something. Um, but certainly, when I started running, you know, mentally it was so good for me. You know, at a time I was like injured. You know, I was always down. It was just getting out fresh air. You know, it, you know, it changes a person and. Running has definitely shaped me as a person because i 've got that structure um which I can then put into like my everyday life you know i 'm accountable for my own training so I can be accountable for other things um, but when i 'm thinking about my training currently um it 's just running you know i 'm not really doing it because I do enjoy it and when when I stop competing i 'll still go out running, but i 'm not stepping out the door every day and thinking. Wow, this is brilliant. I'm just thinking, right, let's get this day done, let's you know, I've got this to do today. Um, but, you know, I, I can certainly see how beneficial it could be for people. Um, you know, if you look at park run for example, you've got like Inverness, you go down to the Buck Park or Wind Park if it's on there, you've got maybe hundreds, two hundred people turning up, you know, all from different backgrounds, all doing it for a different reason. So running can have amazing impact I think on people who you know either want to get fit or you know are struggling with things mentally and um, and yeah is definitely something that I think is a good thing mm-hmm.
5: um, yeah I think it, it, parkrun will parkrun's produce a lot of people like to who yeah they, they've just started parkrun because they want to start running and then all of a sudden they're running in a club vest they're doing a 10k, a half marathon marathon, maybe even gone on the track, you know they've met people that have encouraged them to come down to a running club um, and do, uh, you know problem 3k, you know that's probably a prime example probably start off at a park run then they do a 3k then they realise they're signing up for your Baker Hughes 10k or whatever Um, so I think from um, like an athletic side of things I think park run's great but also like park run you know half past nine on a Saturday morning you can have done your park run and be home by before maybe people wouldn't even have got up, got up for the day because they're thinking I'm just gonna have a long lie it's Saturday yeah. so yeah. I think it can just set you up for the day and you can get a real buzz from doing a run or a session or whatever so, uh, so you know not too early in the morning but still early enough that you've got you the whole day ahead of you
1: yeah I, I absolutely love the parkrun movement I think it's one of the greatest things that's happened uh, you know from a sort of physical but also mental health perspective in, in recent years. And um you know, you mentioned you know so Aberdeen Park run. we've we've got we've got heaps around about us now. We've got Aberdeen, Hazelhead, Stonehaven, Ellen, Bankray what have I missed? Um oh, there's there's a few um Inverurie as well, a new one. Inverurie, it's, it's ace. And and I've I've done the Inverness one once. I was up in Inverness for a long weekend, and uh, I was I was actually I was just out for a run. My wife doesn't believe this story, but I was just out yeah. for a run, and I was heading down to Buck's Park anyway, just like doing a seven or eight mile run or something. And then I just I I intended to go a bit earlier, but we had sort of problems with kids sleeping and stuff, and I ended up being out, out the door a little bit later, and I, I landed up at Buck's Park at like. 20 past, quarter past, 20 past nine, I was like, oh, it's parkrun time. And I had my parkrun barcode in my pocket. <laughs>
5: that was which, I was going which, which is the always bit that
1: my wife doesn't delete. I had this uh, thing that I carried my phone in um, and uh, it all was my parkrun barcode stayed in that pouch thing. So uh, I had it with me and, like, you know, I went and I had a run and it was... Made my run a bit more enjoyable. You know, it's a bit like a race. It's not a race. Really, but we we all it like a race, and um, had, a, had a got my ass handed to me by Gordon Lennox. And uh, but, but the nice <laughs> thing was, I know I knew, I knew, uh, I knew a couple of guys up there. I went to uni with a guy from um, Gearloch and his his little sister was there, and we hadn't seen her for like years. Um, I've um, oh, just forgotten her name. Um, Megan. Um, Megan B., yeah. Oh, yeah. She was Megan McCray, um, but yeah, Graham B's wife. And uh, I was like, oh, it's good to see her and had a chat to her and then uh, bumped into them again later in the day, actually caught up with them again. But, you know, like, I hadn't moved for that part and I might have not had that catch up and stuff, so it's cool, you yeah. know, all that stuff. And, yeah, and again, all all uh, abilities are runners out and, you know, getting the benefit. And that, that early, well, early ish Saturday morning thing, I totally agree as well. You know, it's like, it's a good motivator to get you out the door and go and do something and you know for some people that could be their exercise for the weekend and that's it done and dusted by well done by half past 10 you know in the morning it's cool yeah. um so i think that's covered quite a lot of stuff there thanks uh, for coming on uh, no problem we've not no we've problem. not heard a, we've not heard a peep from uh, my co-host uh <laughs> we we're calling Jenkins because we've got two Jennies. Um, have you got anything I you know. to add or ask, Jenny. I'm just in awe. I think I'm starstruck so <laughs> by real runners. <laughs>
3: just thank you for sharing your crazy, crazy world. It's a foreign land to me this tar running malarkey. So I think you're amazing.
4: <laughs> no, I mean thanks for having us. Yeah, weekend. thank you. I definitely enjoyed yeah. it. So.
1: Ah, great! Thanks, thanks so much for for coming on. It was really short notice as well, so I really appreciate that. Um, and all the best for for your races this this year, um, Stephen, with the the British champs. I hope that goes well for you. And uh, Jenny, I hope you have a terrible race on Friday, so I can beat you. <laughs> I
5: hope you
1: have a more terrible race. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm completely joking. I hope you get a PB Thank on Friday, and I'll be nowhere near you. That'll be the best outcome, I think. So, but we'll see you on Friday anyway, hopefully. And uh, all the best, guys. Catch you later. Great.
2: Thank, right. you. Thank, Thank you. See you. Bye bye. Yeah. See bye. Bye. bye.
1: Yeah. So you weren't gonna the an edgeways there at all, Jenny, but um...
3: uh, I was just <laughs> in awe like actually in awe I'm like oh my god it's like actual real real runners
1: <laughs> yeah I mean it is it's, it, it is real runners and uh, you know that those guys are sort of just just below the elite level you know um, there's not there's not much between you know it wouldn't take an awful lot for Stephen to to be up with those guys who are phenomenal you know um couple of good good years and you never know how mm-hmm. fast you could get and Jenny I mean she's won Scottish medals and Scottish champs in the past you know, she's her I'm actually looking at her never mentioned her PBs but her power of 10 I'm having a quick look her her 10k PB which she set last year yeah it's a uh, 34 which is I mean it's awesome I mean the the fastest uh, female runners in Scotland won't be much quicker than that, to be honest. I'm just going to have a quick look at her 2019 ranking. So, in the UK, she was 81 out of the entire UK last year, which is amazing. Uh, your number... Yeah.
2: Eight,
1: number one in Scotland was um, Ailish McColgan, who's 3148. <laughs> so, it's like three minutes. It's a fair whack on 10K, but I mean, it's... You know... She's only a minute behind the top 30 sort of thing, you know, in the UK. So it's, yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we'll maybe just leave it there and move on with um, the rest of the podcast. Yeah. Sort of probably not much else to say other than those guys are amazing <laughs> and, uh, and appreciate, oh, no. really appreciate them coming on. So this is almost like season two or something of the podcast. We've got a heap of new features we want to,
3: yeah. to go into.
1: So what we're going to do... Um, I'll just quickly rattle through what those features are. So we're going to have, we're intending to have a theme on each podcast, each episode. Sorry, and um, we'll just talk a bit about that. Um, we have a new one called Ask the Coach. So, as we've alluded to before, I'm a running coach, and so people can post their questions on Facebook to uh, facebook.com/slash/explorerunning, or you can email me or message the Facebook page uh, with any question at all you've got about running I'll do my best to give my answer with my running coach hat on and also as a runner you know I've got a bit of experience as, as, as a runner behind me now and Jenny will pitch in as well with your you're a very experienced runner and you've got some well quite a lot of success over the few years that you've been running oh. and in many ways you know and different experiences to, to bring to the table I suppose so um, and then the other one we're going to talk about is stories from around the world so I think this is the one we'll definitely do if we can maybe mm-hmm. yeah um, mm-hmm. so we've got um, I had a quick look at the the statistics of the podcast the other week and I noticed that we've got a remarkable number of people from different countries who have listened or do listen to the podcast so I thought you know what we'll, we'll try and pick one of those countries each episode and find something interesting running-wise from that country. So um, I think what we'll do, if this is all right, Jenny, we'll do, quickly do the mm-hmm. the theme, um, mm-hmm. and we'll do the running story, and we'll leave everything else out for next time. Ask a Coach Fine, question agreed. can be saved for next time. I've got another couple of Ask a Coach questions sent to me, so we've got them a couple saved up. So right, the, the the I need to watch what I say here. I don't want to be too sweary. So the the uh, theme for this podcast is going to be winter is beep effing bollocks, right? <laughs> and we're talking True about
2: that. We're, we're talking from a
1: from a runner's perspective. This was this was kind of Jenny's idea. I came up with the name, but Jenny came up with the idea. So uh, survival tips for training in winter. Primarily, yeah. we're in the northeast of Scotland, uh, Jenny and I. So, um, Jenny, you go first. Let's just have a couple of things. We'll keep it quite short. We're going like to survive a ten, ten the dark.
3: Like yeah. So I was thinking about it quite a bit, eh? and it is. It's just like I just find it so hard to motivate myself because it's it's just dark all the time, it's cold, just don't want to go out at all, and uh, I spent a lot of my time uh, procrastinating, so I will talk myself into a run in the morning, and think, yeah, I'm going to do it, I'll do it when I get up, and then I get up, and then I'm going to do it when I get home from work, and <laughs> then I'm going to do it after my tea, and then I'm going to do it, you know, later, and then <sighs> that's it, I'm not doing it. So, how have I managed to get over it? Well, uh, two things that have worked for me this year which have actually kind of worked a little bit. It's still been really hard and quite miserable but uh, company. I've mm-hmm. like just basically been begging people, like <laughs> literally have been begging people um, This the inch chill runners are really quite good at um doing social runs and i've literally been harassing like all of them i have like are you going out this weekend can i come um and that's been really good so just getting out into some trails exploring some new places um my friend cory's taking me out and we've done some weird stuff and gone over some bogs and had some experiences and that's been really nice and it's kind of taken the edge off of not running during the week when I can't be bothered and I'm too tired like getting out during the weekend <clears throat> and the daylight really been yeah. quite good so I think that's really important is find, find the light find the light if you can and if you can get out just once in a week and see some sunshine that really helps and the other one is training, having a decent training plan that's not Impossible, so instead Mm. of doing big miles, um, you know, mine's been toned down and it's been, you know, a four mile run during the week instead of having to go and crank out a 10k. And Mm. that's made it way easier. Like if it's really, really crappy weather, going and just doing a four mile run sounds more manageable. Mm -hmm. And actually, once you get out, you find, you know,
1: you're Uh, you're all right. It's warmer than you thought. Yeah, once you get going, so that's a really good point actually so it's so if you've got a training plan that is good but it can also be what's the word I'm looking for it can also be oh man my brain's just dying difficult to achieve <laughs> yeah so it's yeah it's quite like oh man I've got to do an eight mile run on a Tuesday or something like that whatever it is yeah yeah so you'll end up binning it but Aye. instead of binning it yeah it's better to run a four mile run than it is to do a no miles at all you know yeah. Um, yeah. and you might go oh well I've not achieved my training plan for the week but if you think what would I have done if I had done exactly. no run that day instead of the, the two or three mm-hmm. four mile runs you know and it's all okay you're not going to get you're not going to hit PBs running that sort of thing but it's all about maintenance uh you know, there aren't many races that we'll be doing, especially fast times and stuff through the winter um, for for a lot of us. And if you can just get out and keep keep running, it's even as simple as you're burning some calories. So instead of eating your body weight and crap like we all do through December, or I do anyway, um, at least you burnt some of that off if you've been out for any, any sort of run. Um, yeah. And, and that means when you come to January, you're not carrying too much excess weight and it's a bit easier to, to shed it again and that sort of thing. So yeah, I mean that's something, I can't remember which of my, I've had three different coaches over the years. One of my coaches sort of said that to me, you know, if you get out and, and if you're short of time, you know, you've got, you're supposed to have a training session and yeah, because of the lack of daylight or or whatever, this goes for all any time of the year, but if you've got a lack of time because you're busy even, um, instead of doing a session, just going out and doing like or whatever the session was, you just go out and do, like, one mile. Mm -hmm. One mile easy warm-up, do three miles sort of tempo, and then one mile easy cool-down, and you're done and dusted. You know, for me, that's like, you know, those five miles will be done and dusted in, well, 35 minutes or 40 minutes or something, depending on how slow the, the two easy miles are. But that's a lot easier to swallow than going, oh, man, I've got a... Speed session to do the blowing a bloody gale or you know it's mm-hmm. in out there and you know you can even do that sort of thing jump on a treadmill I've I've done it f- more yeah. treadmill runs than, than I normally do and I think yeah
3: or do some strength and conditioning you know it doesn't yeah, need to
1: be a run does, yeah exactly Just do, do so for, for me for me um are sort of two things I was thinking of with this and and the lack of daylight. Is, is the main one. Well, no, that's not the main one. The Light of Daylight is the first one, and if you get yourself a head torch, you know you can get yeah. head torches that are not yeah. that. Expensive. I've, I've got a ridiculously powerful head torch, and it's like a thousand lumens or something, with a little <laughs> flashing red light in the back and everything. And, oh,
2: and, yeah. and that, is, that
1: is like an absolute godsend for me, because I, I in previous years, I've... Work through in like West Hill five days a week, and I would run around West Hill in the morning before work. You don't need a head torch for that, or street lights. But um, I'm not. I, I'm quite often work from home, and so if I'm going to go out in the morning, you know it's not daylight till after eight o'clock for a lot of for like two months or something. And
0: if you mm-hmm. want to go out in the
1: morning, you need, I need a head torch because I'm in the country, and so um, that. That allows me to go out, whether it's whether it's that four mile run or whether it's a ten mile run or whatever it is, um, or you know, if I was marathon training through the winter, which I'm thankfully not, but if I was, twenty mile runs in dark would be possible because of a head torch, you know. But the other the other thing is the weather. I mean, that for me, I've I've been much more of a pussy this year when it's given the weather, um, <laughs> like, and I think it stems from. It stems from the fact that um I entered the winter months, not as fit as I've done before, because I had you know those things I spoke about before in terms of my my training not through the summer not being as good as it would have been otherwise, plus the training I did do was for the Mormon Hill twelve hour run, so speed and tempo work and all that sort of stuff is really like hard work for me two months ago when I was starting to try and come back. And that was just when the winter started to really be crap. You know, I'm like, go and do track reps in this weather. You know, there's a few times I stepped onto the track in in Aberdeen and just went, I'm not doing this, walked back (laughs) inside and went and did did something similar on the treadmill, which, you know, I would never have done the previous year. But, But also the ice has meant force me inside as well and, and treadmill not everyone has access to a treadmill but <clears throat> having access to a treadmill is pretty handy actually and I don't really like treadmills if I'm being completely honest but I'd rather do most of the time I'd rather do a run on the treadmill and not do a run at all um, yeah just because psychologically I like you know I, I I start to beat myself up a little bit if I've not done my training or if I've missed a few days or whatever so yeah that's uh that's a couple of tips: access to a treadmill and a decent head torch. Any other, mm-hmm. the other? Thing? No, that's and good. Just, just your your clothing as well. Um,
2: yeah, having, gloves. Decent having gloves.
1: Having stuff that keeps you cosy because you, you, sometimes if you're doing an easy run in particular, uh, you're not going to get heat up. You know, so you have Hi. your legs, have your leggings on, have your hat, have your gloves, have a few layers mm-hmm. on the top half as well, and you know, if you have to take something off, that's much better than being <laughs> freezing. Uh, oh, cool. totally. So, yeah, winter is effing bollocks. Still is.
3: But it's, it's coming It's coming to an end now. Maybe. Maybe that's a bit hopeful. No, <laughs> In the... my head, I'm like, I'm on the countdown to spring.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember reading somewhere, I can't remember, I must have, I, I have, probably have this thought process every year around this time that you were know, like, obviously you get to Twenty-first December, and it's the shortest day, and then it should start to get lighter after that. But the yeah, uh, that's the, it. That's the daylight like as well. feel like in the morning, it's like a few minutes extra. It's not till about February mm-hmm. you start to really notice. It, I think. um I know.
3: It, can't it, 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 can't, it's can't
1: wait. End of January, yeah. start of February. That's going to be life changing for. It is
3: hilarious, Luke. I'm, I'm a bit like that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, 21st of December, it's here, we made it, and then the next day I'm like, oh, it's still dark.
1: Why, why haven't I got endless hours of sunshine? I
3: know, um, it's the heat.
1: It's, it happens every year, you yeah, know. We mourn about the weather every oh, single year. It's ridiculous. So, anyway, that's uh, um, winter is not very good.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so, we're going to skip ask the coach, um, I'll, 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 I'll say what the question is. Um... But we'll deal with it next episode, I think. So Anne Murray sent a question in, and it was how to work through screaming muscles and what may be the cause. Is it nutrition? Is it breathing? Is it something else? So I'm not going to get into that because we could probably speak for a while about it. Um, but yeah. thank you, Anne, and we will deal with that one we'll next
3: We'll get time. back to you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> what we are going to go on to, because I do want to deal with that, uh, a story from around the world, um, and we, um, we're we going to focus on China. So, yeah, that is right. We have at least one listener from China. Um, if you are listening and you're from China, um, I hope you can understand hello. what I'm saying. <laughs> hello there. I don't know how to say anything in Chinese. Do you?
3: <laughs> we need to learn. Yeah. I'm trying to learn Gaelic. That's it.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, Chinese is probably harder than Gaelic, I think. Um, but yeah, if I you think are from cool. China, hello, and, yeah, please do send us a message and let us know... Uh, I'm going to put a link to this story in the show notes. I I was really struggling to find running stories from China, and I can't believe I stumbled across this one, because it is... It's a cracker. It's amazing. So I apologize if I pronounce his name wrong, but there's a female ultra-running champion from China called Yao Mao? Yao? Yao, meow? It's Y A O, which I think would be Yao. I think M A O would be Mao, but there's an I in there, M I A O. So it's maybe Miao, which sounds like a cat. But apologies if that is a terrible pronunciation. <clears throat> but anyway, the the full article, it's a Runner's World article I came across from a couple of years ago, and the the short version of this basically, um, Yao, let's just call her Yao. Yao was you know into athletics as a as a young girl. Uh, the Chinese state school system. She, she made it into the athletics development system, but she never really, you know, she never really got to the heights of those shorter distances. She was pretty good that not to the standard to get her, move her up into the sort of elite category. She moved up the distances trying to, to find her best distance. She, she ran sort of 18 minutes for 5K, 38 for uh, 10K, and she got a sub three for the marathon, which, you know, they're all... Pretty solid times, but they're not going to get you anywhere near the Olympics or anything. But um, so she didn't, she didn't uh, cut it at that sort of um, state-sponsored athletics development thing any longer, and she she landed up leaving that, and she she had to take up a job in her sister's beauty salon of all places. Uh, but she kept up running because she always thought she she was good at it, you know, in terms of her. Ability to keep going and that sort of thing, and she moved into ultra running. And basically, I think she's she's amazing, but she's also quite lucky in terms of the timing. So the story it goes into heaps of detail about this, but the China had basically um, invested loads of money in, in to ultra races, and they had some state-sponsored ultra races with pretty big prizes in, in there. So what it said at some one point it was like. The equivalent of a year's salary for someone from Yao's region of China, and so she'd heard about this and decided she would should put everything she had into this, go into this ultra race and try to get in amongst the prizes and earn some decent money. And I can't, uh, I'm not looking at the story right now, but for some reason she had to pull out of her first race. She had travelled a good bit too and had spent a lot, well, all of her remaining money getting to it, but. Um, Someone happened in that first race, but the second race she went to, she, she went on to win it, and she won like this prize, which was a equivalent of a year's salary, effectively. And then mm. she just went...
2: <laughs> I know,
1: I'd love that. Uh, she went from strength to strength after that and started dominating Chinese ultra running, and she went on to win uh, races internationally as well, and she, would, she was faced with um, skepticism from the international running community, accusing her of being a doper because... This sort of Um, her and her partner actually they came both came in from China, not known at all in the international circuit. I think the first big win was in Hong Kong, and she was getting accused of being a doper and you know Chinese state uh, sponsored doping and all this sort of stuff, Um, and that sort of managed to go away. I'm not sure it doesn't really detail how that went away, but that was just what she was facing initially, and then. and then when she first entered some other races further afield, um, she wasn't she wasn't managing to to compete at the same level, you know, in, in Europe and that sort of thing. And she was then being accused of just being a sort of speed merchant and not having all the necessary tools to to, to succeed at these proper trail races and, and mountain races. But then, uh, as a la- uh, last year, she um, she went to the CCC, which is the
2: Slightly mm-hmm. shorter
1: version of the UTMB. So for those who don't know the UTMB, it's a Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, which is a 100-mile race round about Mont Blanc. Um, yeah. The CCC, there's a few, it's like a whole week of races, but the CCC is 62 miles. I think it's. I think at least part of it is the same course as the UTMB. Uh, yeah,
3: it's on the same course, yeah. yeah it's between, um, between the three villages that begin with a C, hence its name. Something
1: like that. I I did not know that, so there you go. Um, I think that's right, yeah. yeah, So, uh, so, yeah, last year she went and she won the race and she took the female record and, I mean, absolutely amazing. And and she went out like she had done in previous races, front-running it and just took the field apart. Everyone expecting her to fall to pieces, but, no, she just kept going, kept going, and she absolutely obliterated the record. I can't remember what the time was, but she, she took it apart to anyway. And, you know, there's a bit of detail about the training she put into it, and, you know, just meticulous. She'd actually run the full course three times. So it's a 62 miler. Who runs yeah. 62 miles in training for a 62 mile race? I, I, I don't know. But, I mean, that's what she was doing. Did it three times, the actual whole course three times, knew it inside out. And <laughs> incredible stuff. I mean, the story is inspirational. So basically, you know, the the message I took from that was that you know she did have a slice of luck in terms of timing and that sort of thing, but, but it's ultimately all about hard work. She just stuck at it, stuck at it, stuck at it, and is still sticking at it. And she's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And she's attempting the yeah. she's going to do the full UTMB this year. It'll be really interesting to see. What oh, yeah, at 100 brilliant. Miles. Um, so yeah, I I I'm going to try and. Uh, I'm going to try and contact her and see if we can get her on as a guest because she's amazing. No. Uh, I, I imagine that's going uh, yeah, to be quite difficult to get a hold of her. But um, anyone who is listening from China, if you know how to get in touch with uh, ultra-runners from China, please please let us know. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, I'll ramble that whole story myself, Jenny. I mean, you you obviously read about her and I don't know, have you got anything else to add?
3: I think uh, just... It... It just sort of—it was funny because I was already thinking about how um, inspired I've been by these sort of like rags-to-riches stories um, and normal people doing incredible things. And it's all just—it's just that, isn't it? It's just sheer determination and like not giving up, like actually being able to conquer all the. You know, like in a world where we all, with social media as well, and we're constantly, you know, having people telling us what we can and can't do. And here's somebody that's had everybody against her at times, but just mm-hmm. carried on and yeah. proved everybody that you know that was that she she was it. So good honour. I just think yeah. it's
1: amazing. Absolutely, yeah, really nice. awesome. Absolutely awesome. So. Yeah. yeah. So she's gonna do UTMB.
3: Is she she gonna Yeah, go yeah. She's, she's she's
1: gonna do the hundred full UTMB this time. Yeah, so. cause it, that's right.
3: 'Cause it's what 170k. Yeah,
1: it's a big biggie. Ah, it's like
3: 105
1: yeah. miles, I think. So yeah, that's our international story for the episode. Um, I'll I'll like I say, I'll put a link on the show notes if you want to go and check it out. Um, for yourself. I mean, the story's it's a fairly chunky article. It's worth reading though. Yeah, it's good actually. Uh,
3: it's really uh, well written. Yeah.
1: yeah and um, so, yeah, the the next – so we've skipped uh, Ask a Coach. We're going to skip the How Running Saved My Life because I was actually going to talk a bit about more about that this time than, than normal. Yeah, we're going to
3: have to do another – we'll have to do another podcast really soon.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, skirt, skirt over this one a little bit this time. Yeah. Um, and – uh, we'll skirt over what we're doing in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Try to survive winter. We'll be back. Uh, yeah, we'll be yeah, back. yeah. We're we're going to come back and do another show soon. So yeah. um, I'll just do a quick, very quick plug for Explore Running because I've actually been doing a bit more. We've kind of not been doing as much in the last sort of six months or so, but group trail runs that we're organizing um, made a comeback in December. So with the first one up in Mormon Hill, and the next one's going to be 19th of January on a Sunday for a change. It's always been Saturday mornings, but we're going to do this, this one on Sunday. That gives folk who go to park runs religiously every week and that sort of thing a chance to come mm-hmm. and join us. So I think, I haven't actually advertised this yet as to where it's going to be, but I'm pretty certain I'm going to go to Huntley and go and do the the, the route we did at the bin, uh, which is a hill, Brilliant. a couple of hills at the bin. So... um. Check that out on Facebook, and tomorrow morning, so it's already 20 past 11 on Wednesday night, but tomorrow morning I've got starting up a new beginners group in Stricken for those that live locally, um, that's going to be every every Thursday morning for 12 weeks with the view to taking them along to a park run and do a 5K, so that'll be cool, and no, training plans um still doing training plans for various runners and there are a few different options for for different levels of uh, involvement and that sort of thing so give me a shout if you want some help with your training and the other big one that we're really hoping to get kick-started this year is maybe put on a race or two or three I've got some pretty cool ideas that we need to discuss there's a few of us hopefully going to be involved and uh, put some pretty cool things on and hopefully we can get it off the ground this year so watch this space and if you've enjoyed yeah. please go and give us a rating on wherever you listen five stars would be good and hit the subscribe button and just tell people about the podcast because we're going to be coming back and doing this more regularly again because it's good fun it was A speaking to Jenny and Stephen and just catching up with Jenny Elise Jenkins as well again so yeah. it's too long since the last one and it will be i think we will be two weeks two weeks every two weeks i think we'll go yeah. for it and try and keep it up so yeah get in touch got, yeah it'd be good if you've got anything to say Next anything add, uh, jenny or are you just desperate to go to no bed? that's
3: it <laughs> yeah my, uh,
1: my my nearly six month old son is apparently needing his dad so i better go in then
3: yeah try and get him to his bed we'll <laughs> be a bit quicker next time we'll be, we'll yeah. be better on it <laughs> yeah
1: well the thing was we 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 rolled the interview in as well which is always yeah, going to make a longer lots, so. lots to
3: do, no it's good it's been a good cool. night, no thank yeah. you
1: alright, thanks okay, Jenny, bye see you later, bye